Hello, everybody. How you doing out there in Geek Fives Nation? This is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down wrestling news and review wrestling uh, programming. And uh, new listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we week Fridays and on Saturday night, Sundays uh, for your listening pleasure. So just keep on listening to us and all of our previous listeners. Thank you guys so much. Um, remember, if you want to listen on a separate audio platform than the one you are listening to, we are pretty much on everything. We're on YouTube. Uh, we are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. If you search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you'll find our programming. So like I said, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful. I am uh, I cracked open a cold one and uh, sitting here ready to do this fucking show. Ready to talk about some wrestling, man. I'm excited. How about you, man? How, how's your weekend going so far? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Slept in a little bit and... Just hanging out here with my cat, who's attacking me for no reason. And, uh, yeah, just ready to uh, talk about wrestling. Freaking cats, man. Ugh. How about you? Oh, man, I, you know, cats are always a problem in my house. We have, like, 17, so they're basically uh, – the, the number of cats to humans is a, a, an uncomfortable ratio in which I think they may murder us in our sleep. I was but about yeah, they, to ask. <laughs> you know, yes. I love cats. I love dogs. I think they're both great, but cats come off a little bit more, um, how, how we say, uh, super villain esque. So, are you worried <laughs> that they're all going to get together and just take out you and your your lovely wife uh, and take over the household? I, I guess mean, they if, wouldn't, because how could how could they get fed if that happened? I mean, I guess we'll know if the NWO theme song hits and then I start getting power bombed by cats off the the stairs. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Oh Lord! All right. Well, I'll I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, I got your back, basically, in this situation. But yeah, we got plenty of stuff to talk about, guys. You know, pretty much the only main things that happened uh, since we talked. If you guys didn't get a chance, uh, we had another episode that is up and running on all those platforms uh, where we talked about the cuts. Um, but there was uh, one other person that's kind of worth uh, noting that Dave Metzler made a comment about. That possibly could also be cut. Hasn't been confirmed, uh, along with a couple NXT talents that were some of the guys up and coming, some from Saudi Arabia and whatnot that were unfortunately cut. Um, One of them was a Japanese wrestler that was actually, they were trying to use him as a way to approach uh, NXT in Japan. Uh, Beforehand, Triple H had been working with All Japan to try to finalize that being the next NXT. Uh, But now it kind of looks, because of everything, that's very murky. Uh, uh, So it's... We're, we're going to talk about cuts, but one in, uh, specifically, if you want to hear the rest of them, go search the other episode. We also go over Raw and both Wednesday night shows. So technically, we just have SmackDown to go over. Uh, we're going to go over the Dark Side of the Ring episode with Jimmy Snuka, which was extremely dark. Um, and then we're going to do some fun stuff. Uh, we're we're going to try me, – me and Chris are going to go over our top five favorite theme music um from uh wrestling in general and then we're going to add some um some uh tag teams to the uh hall of uh, fame or the observing wrestlers i should say hall of fame so should be fun we have we might judging on time try some other stuff but uh i'm looking forward to this episode and uh uh even though it's um you know going from like cheery like looking forward to this episode let's talk about what i was just talking about um Chris, maybe it's for his, uh, maybe it's for the best since we knew that the writing was on the wall that they weren't 
really doing anything to him except for making him like basically an ancillary person to put from NXT. Then they put him in the UK. And I think eventually they were going to try to like, you know, tire him out like they do a lot of wrestlers because they're not going to use him and then kind of force him to become a trainer. Um, I don't know if that was the case, but it looks like Cassius Ono is a part of the cuts uh, from what Dave Metzler said. Now, that hasn't been 100% confirmed, but uh, it looks like Cassius, uh, a.k.a. Chris Hero, which obviously he'll go back to that name because it's way fucking better, um, is another one of those wrestlers that was let go. Um, you know, we kind of talked about, and my whole thing was, along with the Revival, who was previous before this whole entire thing happened, they were granted their release, if you will. Um, when it comes to everyone saying that AEW is going to pick up all this talent, I don't think that's going to happen. The The upside is that a lot of companies now, it seems like, with Impact and Ring of Honor, are thinking about seeking Florida as a place to be able to film uh, products to, you know, fill in the spots for their shows, uh, because now wrestling is, is uh, considered a... Um, what is it called? I should know this by now, but like a, a, essential business practice. Yes. Yes. So looks like there will be avenues opening up and there's a lot of those guys. They're big enough names that some of these other companies are going to want to chomp them up. Then unfortunately you have a company like MLW from what Corp Bauer said is just hemorrhaging right now. And that really sucks because they're so great. So hopefully, you know, MLW, I believe is also filmed in Florida. Everyone can kind of try to get up and running stay to safety protocols, and we can see a lot of these wrestlers translate within the smaller ones. But don't expect everyone to go to AEW. I kind of said that Leo Rush and EC3 were kind of iffy, um, but the ones that were more likely were the Good Brothers, Rusev, and Zack Ryder, especially based on what Cody said. I'll actually say that, you know, everyone probably would assume he'd go back to Ring of Honor. I think Chris Hero, if he's got some fucking mileage left into him, I think Cody, I think Kenny, I think the Young Bucks especially know how good Chris Hero is. He's someone I actually could consider, you know, AEW being interested in. Now, remember, these guys getting hired, even if it's AEW, that's a pretty decently large company. Even if it's WWE, all of them, regardless, are losing money. So they don't have a lot of money to be able to grab all these people. But if I were to include over some of the other ones that we we're talking about, um, also Deanna Prazzo and, um, and Sarah Logan, I think would be good in the women's division if they wanted to do that. Uh, Cassius Ono, AKA Chris Hero, I think could actually make a big comeback if, unless he wants to, you know, kind of go to ring of honor, put on some awesome matches and then try to be a part of the management there. I don't know what happened on the way out with him. Maybe you would know that information, but Chris, um, you know, hearing this report about, about Chris Hero, um, is this a blessing in disguise? I would hate to describe it as that, but they've never did a goddamn thing with him. And would you like to see him in AEW? Or do you think that now, towards the end of his career, um, I don't know how old Cassius is, I'm, I'm assuming late 30s, he might just, you know, become more of a, a trainer and go back to Ring of Honor and try to help out there or do something smaller, maybe open up his own gym or something. So I'm not 100% on his age either, Dane. Um, I know he's probably mid-30s. Uh, the crazy thing about Cassius Odo is that he has been released from the company before, and there wasn't like a hard seek for the talent afterwards. 
So he was already let go from WWE previously and then was rehired to NXT in like a two-year stint, if I'm recalling properly. So this isn't the first time this has happened to him. Um, part of the problem 42, was... 42, by the way, sorry. Yeah, so, so part of the problem was his weight. Uh, Vince has always had a problem with his weight as well as some of the other people on the roster. And it seems like he comes back, he drops the weight, whatever they like the way he looks and then they push him a little bit and then he gains the weight back and then they cut his ass. Um, this didn't happen this time, but previously in NXT, that was kind of the story of Chris hero, which his weight has nothing to do with his in ring ability. I think it would be great for him to go back to ring of honor. I think there's still a fan base there that remembers how fucking awesome Chris hero was in ring of honor and what that could be and could mean. And if ring of honor is willing to spend the money, which they've done, Kind of in the past, if we look back at their current contract signings, he's someone that could definitely help that company, even if it's in a booking role like like you were talking about or a training role. To some extent, Chris Hero is going to be great wherever he wants to go, and and maybe that maybe that ends up being something like the UK where he's getting paid to train people or work with people. Who knows? I mean, we'll know more after 90 days when this stuff settles in. Uh, kind of surprising, but not insanely surprising as like Sarah Logan, who they were actively putting on TV. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's a little weird from the extent that this has already happened with Chris Hero before. And it, it kind of sucks. I mean, he is a he is a great wrestler when he was in Ring of Honor. He was obviously fucking phenomenal, even though I always hated his ring gear <laughs> and kind of his character in general. But he was a good wrestler and had a lot of fucking good matches. And if you're asking me if he could go back to Ring of Honor and maybe work with Jay Lethal when Jay Lethal gets back from his injury and all this stuff settles down, sure. Why not bring back another OG if you can? I mean, that's that's the thing is there's there's reasons to do this because right now they're pulling like who was it they pulled back? They pulled someone back from one of the one of the first Ring of Honor champions, and I had to like actually go Google who they were. Uh, recently, so they're doing some stuff like that with Jay Lethal already, and if 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 you substitute that name with Chris Hero, it means a lot more to a lot of wrestling fans. Like it'd be kind of like getting like uh, Tyler uh, Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins, or Kevin Steen, or someone like that back because Chris Hero was such a big part of that, and it's there's. And we talked about this uh, on Wednesday's uh, podcast or Thursday's podcast or whatever, uh, which is out today, by the way. So if you're listening to this, you can also go listen to that. Um, there's still more to come. This is this is not it, especially with how much talent WWE has has signed. So I'm not too surprised by this. I would love personally to see Chris Hero go back to Ring of Honor. I would also really enjoy seeing him in, in New Japan or All Japan, if possible. Yeah, and at being 40, I think that, you know, um, he's still got some 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 in the tank. He's a great wrestler. Uh, he's got one of the best um, rotating, um, uh, whatchamacallit, arm, what, what is that called? It's, it's Misawa's move. Uh, the the rotating uh, elbow, uh, just crisp, really really good. He's 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 every single person he's ever been in the ring with that I've watched, he's put on good matches in NXT and especially NXT UK where they were highlighting him more. And um, it's unfortunate, but grass is greener sometimes on the other side. And I think that that Chris will, you know, he'll find a place. 
uh, he's married uh, to Rachel Ellering, um, Paul Ellering's uh, daughter, you know, who I think is another person that just hasn't been established as a female wrestler. WWE kind of poked around and tried with her and then let her go. So um, I hope the best for both of them. I know that they can be an impact in the wrestling world. I know that he has an overactive thyroid, which is the reason I've heard in interviews that he said that he has problems with weight. My only thing, and I think a lot of people said this um, as a cosmetic thing, not like Vince where it's like no one can have, you know, it, it's it's amazing that Kevin Owens has come as, as far as he has, Chris, uh, within WWE, you know, going by Vince's standards. But with Chris, if he would just not wear a basketball uniform, I think it would really <laughs> do him a lot of good, honestly. I'm still um, hung up on you talking about the Ella rings and then remembering that they had Paul Ella ring as a manager for AOP and AOP was fucking awesome when they had Paul Ella ring. And then they were just like, Oh, managers aren't important. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I agree with you. I think, I think some of it is just the aesthetic of his look and, and he's kind of, but you know, Chris Hero's has always done that. Even going back to ring of honor, he wore the basketball Jersey. He had kind of a more like an, a slower outcast tune that he would come out to if I'm recalling right. I don't remember the theme right offhand, but that's kind of just always been a little bit part of his character, a little bit laid back kind of stoner vibe to him. Uh, phenomenal wrestler and athlete. And I think they're losing a great mind that was over there in UK working with some of these cats, like mm-hmm. someone that's been kind of all around. So it sucks. And uh, definitely, it, it, I mean, if you work in a company with your wife and you get fired, that fucking definitely sucks. But in this situation, he's been in the UK for the most part, as far as I know. So I guess we'll see where it goes. Definitely sucks for Chris Hero. He's going to land on his feet. I feel like because of the name he is in Ring of Honor, there's there's always going to be kind of a place for him if he wants to cross that bridge with uh, it's del- Delirious. And, it's kind of like... You know how we feel about Ring of Honor. It makes sense for him, kind of like how we say like EC3 or Eric Young with Impact. They already have a huge name there. They can bring back a lot of value. The fans of that that thing know them and will respect them and treat them a hell of a lot better. And that's why I think that me and you kind of – it makes sense to go back to Ring of Honor for Chris Hero. Yeah, and I mean that's by no means I, – I don't think Ring of Honor is any less than AEW or WWE. I think there's some great wrestling that happens there, and Chris Hero is a legend. And if you can bring him back and do a match with uh, you know, one of them boys or Jay Lethal and, and, and get some kind of nostalgia pumped back into that thing after everything settles down, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean I don't know what the money is going to look like for Chris Hero at this point in his career. I mean, that's something that I have no idea on, but I will say that he's someone the fans will still look at, especially if you're a Ring of Honor cult fan who's been following this product since, you know, the 2005, 2004 or whatever. You're going to want to, I mean, I would think you would want to see Chris Hero back. I would love to see Chris Hero back in Ring of Honor against Jay Lethal and the streamers flying and they have a fucking great match. Like, I would love to see that personally, and I'm not even the biggest Ring of Honor fan. Uh, at least of his time period. Uh, but all of that aside, I, I think there's a lot that you can do with him. And even if he wanted to go somewhere like Impact or if he had a run in Japan or whatever, he's going to be good because he's still a great in-ring worker with a good mind for the business. He's never been quite my favorite uh, to the extent that I thought maybe he was a little overrated coming into the NXT the first stint. 
but he's still fucking really good and he does have a legacy in ring of honor and i think that that goes a long way yep and and just to kind of uh finalize everything i mean he kind of reminds me of he could be this generation just from already training people. Do you like Aleister Black? Well, guess who, tra- who trained Aleister Black? One of the main people was Chris Hero. Uh, and actually, I, if you want to see some great matches of the of Chris Hero over in Europe before he came to NXT, uh, search with Tommy Hen and where they had like a series of matches, Tommy Hen being Aleister Black. He's trained a lot of people. I think he could go down kind of as like this generation's um, Tom Pritchard, you know, someone that was a great wrestler. Might have been big in a, in a company like Smoky Mountain, uh, everyone respected, uh, and then becomes a pretty damn viable trainer towards the end of his career and teaches and gets the next generation up and running. And he's already started doing that. So wherever he goes, I think he'll do well. And, um, you know, just like everyone, I hope everyone finds a situation. And if anyone going through hardship, especially some of those smaller names within NXT uh, that have gotten released, um, you know, just Keep it, keep it up on the positive, and uh, hopefully hopefully you guys can find something. I mean, I guess that's the only way that we can look at it now. Uh, any other yeah. last statements? I, I would say start wearing uh, Hawaiian shirts and hang around Chris Jericho as much as possible so you can get over, like, Pineapple Pete. <laughs> that guy's got a job soon. Oh, <laughs> He's man. got a job so soon. It's incredible. Uh, no, I mean, the last thing I will say is Chris – I mean, everyone has – talked so highly of Chris Hero and what he's been able to do in NXT and some of the training he's been able to accomplish. There's no way that I think that the villain Marty Scroll is not going to look at him and go, this is a guy that we should get back here if we can. If if it's financially responsible, we should try to get Chris Hero back home and, at Ring of Honor, at least for one last run, and to help train some of their younger talent. I think that is the go-to. Absolutely go-to place and, and you have marty scroll in control there different booking delirious is still there which they've had problems in the past with chris hero and delirious but if marty's heading the ship and you look at what you have available and some of the recent signings they've done i'm not saying go out and sp- like break the bank for chris hero but if you can bring him in for a reasonable deal for you know a 42 year old athlete that has only really worked in nxt uk recently and get some good training out of him. I, I still think that is a good move on their part. And like I said, I like Chris Hero. Hope he's going to settle in somewhere. It's just the gut feeling is definitely Ring of Honor for sure. Yep. And also at Ring of Honor, we haven't even talked about the fact that with Ring of Honor, there's two little uh, companies, <laughs> New, uh, one of them being New Japan and the other one being the NWA that, you know, do stuff with. So kind of like if you go to AEW and be able to go to New Japan as well or other options, Chris going to Ring of Honor might bring up other options to be able to go to New Japan or NWA. So we'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, like I said, Chris Hero will find somewhere to go. Even if he just becomes a straight teacher, I think that he'll do really good based on some of the people that he's already trained. So um, now that we're done talking about that, let's go over SmackDown last night. And I got to admit, I had to like rewatch the highlights because my parents called me last night and we were chatting for a while. And I liked a lot of the stuff that they did. I thought Cesaro and Daniel Bryan had a great match, but it went by like a fever dream. So I rewatched a a bit of it um, this morning, at least a little breakdown of it. But I thought it started off pretty, uh, pretty interesting Um, for a lot of stuff that we talked about. Bray, you know, negative and positive. I will say that I like the mind games that he does, um, and I thought, 
you know, positioning him in Braun is kind of strange and, and was kind of forced because of the, the situation itself. I mean, let's let's be honest, guys. Bray was supposed to be going against he was supposed to have the title. And he was supposed to be going against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But Goldberg pulled some fucking some big boy shit and uh, creative control and changed the outcome of that. And obviously Roman came out and they put Braun in. So it was very much changed, but they're going by what they have. And I like it. And I, this happened recently with something else. Um, oh, well, with uh, Drew McIntyre getting called out uh, with Andrade. I like bringing up the past. And I'm glad that they're not pretending that Bray and Braun don't know each other. So this element that like he's like the little brother to Bray. And in real life, these guys are best friends. And, you know, you have Alexa and you have Nikki Cross and you have Alexa's. I forgot what, what her uh, segment's called. Uh, Moment of Bliss. And they're drinking their coffee and everything, and they bring out Bray, and they're all congratulating each other um, for their wins. And all of a sudden um, – and it was really cool. The second time I watched Chris, I noticed someone come around while the while the ladies were there, before Braun got there, uh, and he put the, the uh, package there and then just got out. So they did a pretty good job with that, although they had multiple times to record it, so who knows if they actually ended up doing it that way. But either way. Uh, Bray comes out, or Braun comes out, I should say. They interview him, and then he's like, Lexi, you didn't have to get me a, a present. And he sees, like, you know, this package. He opens it up, and it's his mask from when he was in the Wyatt family, the black sheep of the Wyatt family. And honestly, I thought Braun did a pretty good job. He was shaking a bit. Alexa and uh, Nikki kind of got freaked out by it, and they backed off. And then you just hear the laughing, and it goes to a picture of him as the black sheep. So I think this is just a way to get Bray to get the title back on him because he was never supposed to lose lose it. I like the fact that you got the title off him to an extent because I don't think he needs it. He's someone like an undertaker, if you will, where it's more of like a uh, they're 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 there to be like a showcase. They're a wrestler to fight. They don't need necessarily a title in order to do that. They're they're, they're different. Uh, they're a spectacle. Uh, Andre was a spectacle wrestler. He never needed a freaking title. But um, I like these mind games. You know, Bray's got a lot of Kevin Sullivan, a lot of Jake the Snake Roberts within his whole entire way of doing it. Um, so I'm not exactly looking forward to the match, but I like the way they're presenting the feud right now. How did you like this <laughs> opening segment between them? If you come for me, the only thing you're going to get are these high ends. That's that's what I remember <laughs> from this segment. <laughs> uh, you know, Braun's doing – I thought Braun did great. I, I – the package opening and and at least going back to the fact that Braun was with Bray makes me happy to some extent because uh, WWE likes to ignore backs a lot of times. At least this time they're like, you were associated with this guy. And they've done this with Bray kind of over and over again throughout the, the Fiend character at least. So I'm not looking forward to that match either because I don't know how you get anyone over out of it. And if you, if you have the fiend beat Strowman, now he's champion again. And what do you do from there? And if you have Strowman beat the fiend, fiend just took a loss to Goldberg. Exactly. It's just kind of a bad situation, but they kind of booked themselves in this manner by putting the title on Goldberg or putting the title on the fiend in general to begin with. But yep, this is kind of where they're at. 
So uh, I thought Alexa Bliss and, and, and Nikki Cross were fine here. Just not a whole lot going on. Can I ask I, you something? Sure. Since you just brought them up. All right. All right. I've always, you know, obviously you can look crazy, but, you know, Nikki's a very attractive girl. I don't like how they're cutesing her up at all. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that she's being at a top position, if you will, with the female division with Alexa Bliss. But I really like the gritty psychopath, you know, kind of like a female Cactus Jack that she was presented in NXT. And they keep on putting more and more makeup, doing her fucking hair. You know, now she's like fucking clanking coffee mugs with Alexa. I'm glad where she's at, but I feel like it's killing the original character, which is the reason why I was intrigued with her to begin with. Are you like that at all or? I mean, I thought they never should have broke up their group from NXT with Eric Young, uh, to be completely honest. But I get what you're saying. My, I, I guess the thing that I wonder about is it part of a gimmick? Is it part of a long-term thing where she is losing herself, hanging out with Alexa Bliss, and then they eventually split? Because they've been building the feud for forever and never really pulled the trigger on it. So if that's the idea that they're going for, that she's becoming more and more like Alexa, of bliss until the point she breaks or something and that's a story I, I i don't have a problem with it but i get exactly what you're saying and to the same extent you know you could have just kept that group together and had like a really fun three piece from nxt and not released eric young but yeah no, we already talked about that so <laughs> absolutely yeah i just it's a uh, it's strange but um yeah, I, I, I do like where this is going, but like I said, I'm not not the not very excited about the match uh, itself. But uh, we I, then I do have one follow up. Yes, they should never do these fucking talk segments. I'm I'm so done with it. All of them. There's All of them. So many different wrestlers that have their version of whatever Piper's Pit is, and it sucks. It's never good. It's like there might the only be one person you can take out of it that's like, oh, that's OK. The only person that's ever been able to pull it off since Piper is Jericho. None of the other ones are good. Jericho is just good at everything, though, so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our first match of the night was Tamina going against Sasha Banks. Now, remember, if Sasha lost to Tamina. Then Tamina got a title shot against Bailey. Bailey was on commentary. Still not knowing how to be a heel. We'll just put it that way. I, a lot of this is like everything that's happened to her on the main roster. I don't necessarily blame Bailey. It's just the position and how she's written. Doesn't matter if she has been a super baby face that they kind of forcibly made look like shit, or now as a heel. But she she's trying, I, I, I guess. Anyway, so Tamina and Sasha were having a you know back and forth match. Tamina was you know doing the whole monster gimmick, but Sasha was coming back, and then Lacey Evans came out. Um, and because Bailey was interfering and she evened the odds and, uh, Tamina hit a pair of super kicks to win the match after distracting Sasha or after Lacey distracts Sasha, uh, per the situation of the match. Now Tamina will be able to go against Bailey for the championship afterwards. Lacey was interviewed. Then she's basically has Sasha on her hand, uh, with the, uh, the, you know, kind of like the no cigarettes thing, uh, for the woman's right. So she's going to, she's going to kill Sasha. She's going to punch her to death. I'm just kidding. They're still going down. Sasha versus uh, Lacey 
I don't think this is really helping Lacey at all um, because she's not in the title picture. She's just now being forced with this feud with Sasha that died months ago. Um, but, hey, whatever. I mean, like I said, go around your ass to get to your elbow. I don't think Tamina's going to get that belt from Bailey, but who knows? Maybe they'll put it on her. <laughs> I, I doubt it. Um, how'd you like this, Chris? My immediate thought is they're putting Lacey back in the title picture. That's that's what I gathered out of this match. I mean, like, Tamina is not a serious threat. They're just going to put Lacey back in there, and then they're going to kibosh the whole Bailey versus Sasha thing. <laughs> At least till down the road. So, four years later, <laughs> we're never going to get the end of this feud at this point um it was okay this was not a very good match tamina to me is not very great in the ring and it kind of showed here it looked like shit it it was a very slow lumbering match and i don't know if it's because they haven't worked with each other in a long time but it was not very good let's just say that and then the storyline coming out of it, it's really hard to care about. I mean, as much as I have grown to like Lacey, and I feel like they fucked her to begin with, as far as what her character could have been, it's... The, the women's division on SmackDown is a fucking joke in comparison to NXT and Raw, if I'm just being completely honest. And, and not putting Naomi in there or, or someone that people actually care about is baffling to me. I agree with you. All right, so next, um, we got to a segment or a match and a segment that I think they're setting up uh, that I actually kind of liked, uh, involving two legends of WWE already, uh, respectively. Uh, one of them being Sheamus, who came out once again, just like last week, beat the living shit out of uh, you know more of an enhancement talent in Denzel uh, Dejort, and one with a bro kick, very very uh, very quick. Uh, because of the fact, and I kind of like that they're doing this, you know, when it, when it comes to like Bailey on the floor say, no, we're not, you know, just making comments because everyone can hear the fucking commentators. They're not acting like that's, that's not, you know, there's no audience. Of course they can hear them a lot. And so now the second time a package about Jeff Hardy, right after Seamus kicks the shit out of someone, not a lot of praise towards Seamus in the direction of, you know, hyping up Jeff Hardy coming back the next week. And uh, Seamus got pissed. He got right in, uh, you know, Cole's face. He's like, I've, I've come here and I've, I've decimated people twice now. And, you know, you're, you're more excited about Jeff Hardy and he wants respect. So obviously, I'm assuming Jeff Hardy's going to have a match next week. Seamus is going to be involved some way. And we're going to set up a feud between the two, which should be pretty good. You know, um, very different styles, drastically different styles. But either way, do you think that's where they're going, Chris, with this? I, I do. It does seem very much like they're going the route of we're going to have Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy and then Jeff Hardy's going to get killed because he's probably got two or three months left on his deal. And that'll probably be the last of Jeff Hardy we see. I don't know how it helps Sheamus and I don't know what the end goal is. And having Sheamus do squash matches on TV, he's not a character you need to rebuild in that manner. He's a former champion. You should book him as a former champion, have him beat people that actually matter in my opinion, but him versus Jeff Hardy will probably be a pretty decent match. The Jeff Hardy's not re-signing with WWE. So (laughs) 
whenever his injury time runs out, whatever they tacked onto his contract, he's gone. So this is probably the killing of Jeff Hardy that we're seeing start to unfold. And if they can do something with Sheamus out of this, that would be great. The problem is, is you told us Sheamus was kind of less than a lot of other people for a long time and put him in a tag team that people necessarily didn't care about that also lost the Hardys. And now you're trying to rebuild him and having him rebuilt through squash matches against people I've never heard is not the way to build Sheamus. Sheamus has been on TV way too long for him to just get over with squash matches, uh, at least in modern wrestling time. And this is all opinionative, but uh, that's just kind of how I feel about it. And I'm assuming Jeff Hardy, like I said, is going to get murdered very soon by Sheamus, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And uh, it's not like Sheamus has a problem with uh, destroying fan favorites relatively quickly. So that definitely could be just future. All right. We had a Money in the Bank qualifying match between uh, Dana Brooke and Naomi. Uh, before this, uh, Carmella was talking to her partner, Dana Brooke, about their tag match next week and was like, are you even concentrating on that? We have a title shot. And Dana's like, don't worry, I got this. And, you know, kind of in a very, very judgy way, uh, Carmella's like, all right, whatever, like, you know, doesn't believe in Dana because of the past. And I think that's kind of the concept that we have as fans a bit because we've been conditioned to seeing Dana lose, even though she's gotten tremendously better in the ring. It's just that's that's where they they, they book her. So um, I didn't like that it was at the expense of Naomi, because when it comes to uh, a ladder match, I kind of think that the that Naomi could be featured in this you know uh but that's what happened Dana Brooke actually defeated Naomi with a sunset flip to earn the spot for the women's money in the bank ladder match um how'd you feel about this so I'm in the same spot as you where I I don't necessarily like that it came at the expense of Naomi not being in your money in the bank match and I think some of that probably goes back to that awkward very fucking awkward spot of Royal Rumble and the fact that Dana Brooke is a hoss so if they throw her in the match they know she can catch people etc and if this is the time that they're going to decide to try to give Dana Brooke a push I'm all for it as we've no as people who've listened to this podcast a lot they know that I love Dana Brooke. So Dana Brooke getting a win here was a complete surprise to me, but something that made me kind of happy because if the end goal is you're actually going to try to give Dana Brooke a push that doesn't involve Charlotte, which they never resolved that feud. If you're, if you're going to try to give her a push, I think she's a pretty good worker and a fun character. I'm, I'm all for that, but same as you said, though, I don't know that it needed to come at the extent of Naomi, who I think should probably be in the top of their title picture, honestly, on SmackDown. Yep, me too, man. Me too. And we'll go into the uh, stipulations, the very, very weird stipulations for Money in the Bank after we get done with the SmackDown thing. But uh, very interesting, just to say the, the – I don't know how they're going to go about it. I'm kind of worried. I'm so sick of segment styled uh wrestling i do have one thing i would like to say yes i wish graves would go back to wherever the fuck he was <laughs> he was awful on this show it's uh, you know what's weird i think is he like battling himself of being a heel commentator and a babyface commentator because he's flip-flopping like a motherfucker 
I think that's part of it, and he did not do very good on trying to commentate on recorded matches. So yeah. it just came off really, really bad. If you want a good example of commentating on recorded matches, go listen to Tony Schiavone and Jericho and uh, the amazing job that JR did on the yes. the fucking Moxley versus Hager match. So I, I'm not giving anyone any excuses on this shit. Bad commentary is bad commentary. And I had forgotten about him because he's been off TV for a few weeks. He came back and I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking don't like this guy. That's right. Yep. And before, I think both me and you praised him as one of, uh, a good heel uh, commentator a couple of years back. But they've turned him into the WWE machine, as always. Um, His podcast doesn't help either. That's the other oh, thing. Oh, God. That the the machine has bled into other aspects that I don't want to hear or see. So he is kind of worst case scenario <laughs> to where I'm like, just put JBL back there again, I guess. And I don't even really like JBL that much, but you need something different. That's not Michael Cole. And now we get Michael Cole and Corey Graves who are in quotations, that shade of gray, which mm-hmm. just, which just explains shitty commentary. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess that's what that means. I mean, look around the fucking rest of the world. Look at what New Japan does with their American commentating. Oh, team. Kevin Kelly is a fucking a beast. And in AEW to some extent where they can just rotate in random people and it's still better than you week after week. You have to grow and you have to get better from this. And it's something that WWE has just sucked at for so long. To the fact that they have Jerry Lawler back doing commentary, who got in trouble, got in a little bit of hot water earlier this week, but uh, yeah, oh, Lord, you probably shouldn't say the ramen noodle roll when you're referring to fucking uh, Kiritazawa doing a, yeah, Jesus Christ, I love uh-huh. Jerry, but ah, uh, well, you know, and it kind of, I, I wanted to say this now that you reminded me of it because we. It's not like that we uh, breeze through it, but I realized when we were talking about AEW, especially with that main event, uh, besides JR doing a great job with commentary, you know, why are there garter rails in this building? There's no fans here. You know, just like everything that he was (laughs) – he's so aggressive, but he's so great. I think that they did a great job setting up that match for two weeks, the week previous, you know, with people's predictions uh, going into the week of the match for this week. You know, having Mike Goldberg, who was the fucking voice of UFC at one point, now the voice of Bellator, uh, and a bunch of different MMA names and a bunch of different uh, wrestling names. And coincidentally, the wrestlers picked Johnny, or the wrestlers picked John Moxley, and the fucking MMA guys picked uh, Jake Hager. But I think they did a great job with those packages, and I didn't get a chance to mention that. And I thought JR was, was amazing on commentary. It's the best we've seen Jr. in a long time. Let's say that it, it's one. It's a highlight from his past like two years. I would say I thought it was fucking incredible, and I love the video packages leading into that. And I guess to wrap it back around, Cole and Corey Graves did absolutely nothing for me on the show, and Corey Graves was especially bad on commentary. There you go. Um, even like this next segment we're about to talk about, he's had such an, uh, an obsession with Mandy Rose. He kept fucking quiet. Didn't talk shit about Otis that much at all, like he normally does. But anyways, so Sonya Deville wanted to clear the air, apparently, with Mandy um, and had her come out. And it looked like she was going to apologize. And then she basically said she was selfish and she was tired of being second best, that she was tired of Mandy being 
being the, 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 the poster girl for WWE and being completely talentless and her having to be in the background and realizing that when Otis got involved, that she was going to probably be taken out of that place and Otis was going to be put in that place and Dolph actually really cares about her. And uh, I thought they set this up pretty good. I didn't know what direction they were going in because Mandy and Sonya at one point wanted to do somewhat of a situation where, you know, they were together. Like, like you know, because Sonya Deville's, um, you know, a lesbian in real life. And they want to do an angle. Well, instead of doing it like that, they decided to do whatever the fuck shit show with Lana and Liv for ratings one night. But the the reasoning actually made a lot of sense, I thought, for well, for WWE writing, I should say. Dolph Ziggler interrupted and tried to get Manny to realize they have a connection. Uh, DeVille would end up attacking uh, um, uh, Mandy Rose, which Dolph was like, fuck, what are you doing? Try to separate it. Otis hit the ring, beat the shit out of Ziggler, and hit the Caterpillar. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll keep on going with this. Are we going to get an intergender match? Is that where this is going now? Because I'm going to really care less about this whole entire fucking thing. Oh, it really is coming off that way as far as where they're headed, as far as the road goes, that it does seem like that. Also, DeVille called Mandy a centerfold bitch. I don't know if you've if you heard that line during this segment, but that that's where she tossed the mic down or whatever. But that's one that stuck out in my my mind. And instead of putting it over Mandy Rose as kind of a sympathetic baby face that everyone's lusting over. They just kind of put her on the same level of creepy as everyone else. And the only true babyface in this entire situation is Otis. And I love Otis, but if this just leads to, like you said, an intergender match, who the hell gives a shit? Um, it's interesting, but I thought the perfect ending was Otis at Mania. I thought this would have been done. Maybe Mandy becomes his manager for a little bit. And if you want to rehash the storyline down the line fine but i think you should have drew it out a couple weeks like seeing dolph ziggler back out there again in the same storyline not very exciting television let's just say that yep i'm gonna have to agree with you on that all right so after that we had another uh money in the bank qualifying match with daniel bryan uh going against cesaro and this was it was a good match. It was interrupted, weirdly, by the whole hacker thing, who apparently he's going to show more information. Part of me thinks this is going to be something involving Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan, like Drew Gulak planning something against Daniel Bryan because it was very weird and convenient. They put it right during this match. Could be wrong. Maybe it's actually something involved with Sami Zayn and his group in dissension with that. Maybe uh, Shinsuke is going to screw over. It's intriguing. I don't know how much mileage this whole entire hacker thing has. And I know that between the the, the symbol, the light symbol that comes up, being associated with Mustafa Ali, and also Ali wanting to approach a new concept, all he said that he wanted to do was be like a vigilante, kind of going that type of thing. This has WWE going way overboard if this is Ali, you know, within this. Like, now he's a hacker. Okay. Whatever, you know, like I said, this comes up like uh, like the old segments where where um, Tom Green, what the hell was that? The whole associate thing where we, we were seeing stuff, you know, in the background, of early 2000s uh, <laughs> GTV or whatever. Or I don't remember exactly, but <laughs> the match was good. The match was good, especially when I watched it the second time. I wish I could watch Daniel Bryan Cesaro 
wrestle for a whole entire hour. And I probably can if I go watch the Ring of Honor stuff. But, you know, uh, obviously Daniel Bryan won. You know, it just doesn't seem like Cesaro would win in that situation anyways. And uh, he advances. What do you think about all this? It's smart putting Daniel Bryan into the Money in the Bank match because I feel like he needs to be there, especially if you're going to go... I'm assuming that Bray's going to win through some type of fuckery and then Braun's going to be like a guy. And then you just get back to Daniel Bryan because they haven't built enough people on the roster. So Daniel Bryan with the money in the bank going against uh, Bray again, who's had the best matches as far as the outcome of the match went. I thought it was very, very good. And uh, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro are fucking incredible in the ring. It's, it's more of the problem that they've not made Cesaro believable for a long period of time. So you just have to assume either it's going to end in fuckery or Brian's going to win. And also with Daniel Bryan, they have this weird tag team thing going on and this weird feud, but now he's in this money in the bank match. So as far as booking goes and stuff, I'm okay with it. I thought it was a decent match, but man, if Cesaro would have gotten released, there's so many places that he could have won. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. Absolutely fucking incredible. Like a guy that's been underutilized for years. If you're, I mean, like, I know people love Zack Ryder and Heath Slater and some of these EC3 and these guys, but Claudio Castagnolia, like fucking Claudio, aka Cesaro, was an absolute fucking incredible wrestler who's worked in many places and had some amazing matches also another person that cody put over recently is a guy that i would love to see somewhere else other than wwe because they just don't know how to use this guy no matter how good he does and him and daniel bryan continue to put out the best television matches they can with whatever the hell they're given i did like they gave them like 15 minutes but uh, i think i think that kind of sums up Mostly how I feel. Did I miss any of your questions? Sorry, I was kind of rambling on Cesaro there. Well, there was no, and I, I love what you said. I mean, Cesaro, to me, I told you this. As far as being a European strongman wrestler, he comes off like he could have been a modern, I don't know, to lend the, 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 the amount of success, obviously, but like a Bruno San Martino type babyface if they wanted to fucking do that. But they obviously did not. Um, but the Ali aspect, if, if we're to believe this is Ali, or whoever the fuck it is, but if it's Ali... Did WWE go, oh, you want to be a vigilante? Here, you're a hacker now. <laughs> I I will say this. It's taking too long, and now I don't care. Me too. Me too. You, you can't drag it out for this long with that kind of character. It comes off. And, and also, I, I don't think the WWE is ever going to give you the payoff you expect is, is more of the problem. Like when they gave us – the basically the sister Abigail video role for Jericho, and then Jericho showed up with a light up jacket, <laughs> which credit to Jericho, but not credit to the video packages. Or, you know, they teased the fact that Bray was going to become Sister Abigail. Or uh, what was it? What was uh, God? I can't. I she doesn't even work in the company anymore. But they did the uh, Emma. Yes, like years of Emma, and they recently did this with was it Liv? They did this with where there's this huge video. Like, I don't expect these long vignettes to ever pay off in WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have faith in them being able to pull this off. As good as I thought the Boneyard match was now, you know, watching it the second time or whatever, whenever they have to piece things together week after week after week, especially with video packages, it just 
they they never know when to pull the trigger on actually putting the person into a match and it just goes on forever and people are tired of it and i'm kind of already tired of the glitchy hacker thing at this point especially because it's not having any outcome on any of the matches other than the sonia deville the deville feud well speaking about tired and 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 getting sick of uh we had i think two segments of Elias going to do a song and then Baron Corbin just beating the living shit out of him. I didn't care about this. I'm sick of this. I don't want to see these guys in a fucking feud anymore. You're just completely killing Elias more so that more more than ever. And why the hell take so much of your fucking program? Uh, because Baron Corbin lost at Mania. I mean, he's lost a lot of times. I I don't know why you would try to keep on fueling this. It just makes me think that. Since next wing, Corbin's going against Drew Gulak, Elias is going to get involved and cause Corbin the match. And then we're going to have to watch them in a fucking match again. Yeah, you pretty much summed that up for me. You did all the burying for me there, Dane. I got no other... Everything you said is 100% correct. It's impossible for any fan to give a shit about that. Ugh. Well, we have Drew Gulak and King Corbin... Uh, like I said, uh, and also Lacey Evans and Sasha Banks, both of them are the Money in the Bank qualifying matches. Like I said, I think Drew's going to win that. And between um, – it make, it would make sense for Lacey Evans to beat Sasha Banks. Uh, it's just going to be a weird outcome that Sasha will lose. But maybe Sasha will win because I really think it would be smart if you have Sasha Banks and she has the briefcase – that the three people she gets to pick from are the other horsewomen. I think storyline-wise, that kind of makes sense. But then again, this is fucking WWE. And also, we're also getting Dana Brooke and Carmella, because they, they won uh, the week previous, to get a uh, women's tag team uh, match against Alexa and Nikki Cross. And I really just don't give a shit about that. Uh, if Dana Brooke is in the uh, Money in the Bank, I don't think they're going to win. So uh, there you go. Um, how do you feel about these matches for next week? Well, you know, WWE likes a surprise. They love a good surprise. Is Dana Brooke the surprise? And is the end goal to get Dave Batista back? That These are the real questions we should be asking. <laughs> he just as... wants to watch her doing squats, man. I, I mean, I can't blame him. I love Dana. Dana's the best. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> She's gorgeous. I, I love Dana. She's great. And she was super nice to me. Um, but I, I don't care about that, man. It's so hard to care about anything with Sasha and Bailey. As soon as you put those two names together, it's just immediate, just a kind of feeling at this point. Like you had the chance when you brought Sasha back to split them up and not do this. And for whatever reason, they felt the need to still do this. And I guess we'll see where it goes. And and I guess if the, if, if the outcome is that, Sasha is going to win money in the bank and then hold the briefcase and not cash it in because Bailey is her friend until Bailey pushes her too far. If this was year one of this relationship, probably actually a good storyline. The problem is they've been tag team champions, best friends. They've feuded in quotations for so long that I don't think anyone gives a single fuck about this. I think people would actually care more if someone random won, like Dana Brooke won money in the bank, just because you're at least getting something different than the Sasha and Bailey feud. Have to agree with you. All right. Well, our last match main event was SmackDown 
It wasn't a tag team championship, but it was for the tag, tag team belts. Uh, Big E going against the Miz and Jimmy Uso, and uh, he pulled Miz out uh, of a figure four and hit the big ending uh, to win the match and the champions, and then decided to lick the championship belts uh, a little bit disturbingly uh, too much. Honestly, given the circumstances, I don't think Big E should be licking championship belts, but he is Big E. And then he jumped on Michael Cole and started humping him while licking those said belts. So uh, New Day is our champions uh, for the eighth time, I believe, with the SmackDown championship belts. Um, I mean, it's I, I love the Usos. I love the New Day. They are great. Uh, you know, two of the best tag teams, arguably the two best tag teams in WWE. But you gotta give me something more than just fucking Miz and Morrison to take the belts off either one of them for like a little while. I'm kind of getting stale with it always inevitably going to either the Usos or the New Day, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, but I, I did love seeing Big E afterwards. Just come on, man. There is also an epidemic going on. Jesus. Uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? It was a pretty good match, by the way. Yeah, it was a decent match, and I think Big E was kind of just trying to poke a little bit of fun at the situation that we're all in, right? So I'm sure those belts were heavily sanitized with syrup. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so let's break down this crazy concept of what's going on with Money in the Bank. Oh, Lord. All right, so Money in the Bank, it will be at WWE headquarters, Titan Towers, if you will. And apparently the match will start on the ground floor and the money in the bank briefcase will be hanging somewhere above the roof of the building. And remember, there's seven floors on this building. So both groups, the men and women, will be fighting from the bottom all the way to the top to get there. This could be either pretty entertaining or it could be a shit show, just given the other segments that we've gotten in the past. Now, I said to Chris, you know, after the Hardy um, compound match with Jericho, I don't want to fucking see another segmented match. And WWE heard that and said, play ball and decided to set up this, I guess. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with me, but the concept could be cool. I mean, you can have like Drew Gulak, like somewhere like, you know, reporting information to Daniel Bryan, who's going through like the ventilation diehard style trying to get there. Uh, But it just seems like it's going to be a fucking mess, man. And so the best person will get to the top, get up the ladder, and get the money in the bank at the top of Titan Tower. Um, what do you have to say about this, Chris? There is a WWE video game from the early 2000s where you play through a story mode that makes you throw poor constructor construction workers off a building. What? <laughs> and I, I can't – yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's absolutely terrible. It's after the WrestleMania game, and for whatever reason, it's escaping me. But people listening that know this video game will know. You basically play through your career mode, and some of it is you're doing some dastardly deeds for Vince and Stephanie, and and it involves you just launching people off the top of Titan Tower. (laughs) And for whatever reason, that's all I could think about is this Nintendo 64 graphics version of these wrestlers (laughs) flying off the edge of a tower. Um, Oh, man. I do want to go back just real quick because I didn't get it. I didn't say this last time. Um, someone decided to start using weed whacker. So I had to mute myself, but uh, does this mean Morrison is fired? Cause otherwise, why did they drop the titles after just retaining them? 
I don't know. I don't think so. But who knows? I mean, I think that's a good question of why you would shift the title so soon. Um, unless m- someone in Miz's life is sick or something and he's not going to be around. But shifting the title so soon after that Mania win just seems kind of baffling to me. Um, I don't want to see a segmented match either, Dane. And it's probably going to be terrible. But I this this is the world we live in right now as far as WWE goes. Like, what the fuck is Aleister Black, Daniel Bryan, and all these other guys going to be doing trying to run through Titan Tower to get to the top? Throwing Ugh. construction workers off the top Jesus of this building. I already, t- <laughs> I already told you. Like I said, if you get a situation where, like, like, like diehard style, uh, Daniel Bryan's like in the in the vents and he's talking to Drew Gulak, you know, in some other undisclosed location. He's giving him information to get to fuck it. That that could be funny, but I don't think they're going to go that detailed. I'm just thinking about the Edge and Randy Orton match times fucking seven floors. And that sounds fucking terrible. Why don't they just get in the ring and have a match? We just saw how well it works last week on AEW. You could just have a match. With great wrestlers, one of them being Daniel Bryan. I don't think he needs a fucking crowd to have a good match. I guess I guess ladder matches don't work anymore, Chris. Uh, apparently they have for years, but now they don't. Well, you know what? Maybe WWE's done too many, so now you gotta <laughs> you gotta fucking well, jazz it up. I, I, I'm assuming there's gonna be some spots, but maybe they're also realizing that they probably shouldn't have their fucking wrestlers destroying themselves in ladder matches uh, with no goddamn audience. Like, it takes away half the uh, intrigue for even our end. I, I don't want anyone in WWE being above 45 feet in the ground, or uh, of the ground, be just, a, for whatever reason, I don't trust WWE to do this. Yep. Maybe because Owen Hart a little bit. Don't yep. trust it. I don't blame you for that, uh, for that, you know, for what you just said. Um, all right, well, it just we'll, 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 it's like it's such a shot, it's such a difference, and I actually like Raw this week, but like when you go over Raw and SmackDown compared to when you go over NXT and AEW, how drastically me and your uh, um, care and also amount of doubt when it comes to SmackDown and Raw compared to like what they do on NXT and AEW every week, ugh. And, and I feel so bad about it because it, it does come off like we're just being sarcastic assholes about how bad WWE is. But we love wrestling. Like, me and you both love wrestling. We watch so much of it. I, I hope that that gets across to our listeners. It's not that we yeah. hate this. It's just it's been bad. And there's ways for it to get better. There's other shows that are taped that are better. Like, go watch, like, the last Impact episode is better than this SmackDown. Um it's there's no excuses like to me there's no excuses the empty arena randy orton edge thing the very first thing i posted on that with wrestlemania was like there's no excuse to have a bad match and then fucking you know john moxley and <laughs> jake hager went out and had a great empty arena or even before match. that you know with Ciampa and gargano man they that's the funniest thing okay when you look at it like this chris nxt has the same fucking place but consistently the last couple weeks, they've had a way better show getting over their storylines, getting people over than Raw and SmackDown. How? What's different between the production? I mean, the the only difference is that there's big name stars that have been around. 
that that is the only level of which you could i guess potentially like smackdown or raw more because the the actual quality of the shows and i actually thought raw like i said on our uh on our show that posted today i actually thought raw this week was pretty solid and gave us some good wrestling this smackdown like was fucking awful (laughs) for the most part i mean there was Literally nothing that happened except for the Daniel Bryan and Cesaro match, and and they're never going to give us the actual match we want as fans, so it was fine. But it's when I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be an asshole, and and I'm not trying to go full Bryan Alvarez and crap on the product or whatever. But um, just give me a little bit more, especially when NXT is so good. There's other things in your company that's so good, and you have bigger stars in different products that you could give us the same quality of stuff with, and you just don't. It's frustrating. It is frustrating, and I will give it to Raw. I thought it was really good this week, but it's far in between, so that's the reason why it's hard for me to position myself to, you know, I'm conditioned for it not to 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 be up to expectations with due to the roster that they have. And I think that's the most frustrating part. But I love the guys on Raw. I love the guys on SmackDown. I love it when WWE does something right. And it really pains me when it doesn't. And that's too often. And, uh, you know, but that me, I, I still love wrestling. I hate it when people just, you know, demonize WWE. I hate the WWE only fans. I hate the AEW only fans. I want people to enjoy wrestling like I do. And that's the biggest thing, but it's very easy to criticize WWE. But don't tell me I'm not a fucking wrestling fan because I am. I'm analyzing stuff. I'm not going overboard. And I have a fucking picture of Danny Hodge as my profile fucking picture. My 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 my, my background is 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 Frank Gotch and, and George Hackenschmidt. So I am a wrestling fucking dork and purist, just like Chris was saying, and just like how Chris is. Uh, yeah, well, mine was George Westinghouse because I watched that recent movie, uh, the fucking what? What's the the new Tesla movie they came out with? Uh, the guy that was from Skins, Tony from Skins, and uh, Beast. What is that they call? It's like the current. I don't know the current war. That's what it's called. The current war. It's 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 great. Y'all check that out. Nicholas Holt? Yeah, Nicholas Holt. Uh, definitely watch that fucking movie, Michael. Uh, Michael Shannon plays George Westinghouse, and it's phenomenal. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. All right, so let's talk about a subject, Chris. I know that you're not particularly looking forward to talking about. Um, I'm not either uh, due to the circumstance, um, but we had another episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, this one was about Jimmy Snuka and his girlfriend um, who passed away, Nancy Argentino, um, within the 80s. Uh, this was a uh, very dark one, but I'm going to let you lead into it um, just because I know that you met Jimmy and um, a lot of this, you know, after seeing Jimmy Snuka as one of the premier baby faces in wrestling, period. Uh, one of the the uh, the innovative high flyers, along with many others, but one of those guys that really took it up, you know, uh, him, the, the case getting reopened and right before he, pa- he passed away, him having to go to jail or not uh, getting uh, convicted for third degree murder um, and basically getting taken out of that because of dementia issues. Uh, this was a, a very, very, very dark tale. And we had uh, some, you know, a lot of uh, insightful people, Don Morocco, 
the Tonga kid, Sam Fatu, father of Jacob Fatu, the MLW champion. Uh, we had um, Nancy's two sisters. Uh, we had uh, the guys that brought up the case, the cold case, uh, that were writing about it. Um, and um, the police officer that was there, uh, the detective that was on the case uh, when she passed away. So, On the case or on the case or on the take? On the take. <laughs> it was a it was a Vince McMahon joke. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, just uh, open it up. So I had the I will say privilege at the time of meeting Jimmy Snuka back in in 2012, and I think I had uh, previously talked about this with you, Dane, uh, sitting in the lobby with Abdullah the Butcher, who was not allowed to be part of this fan fest for whatever reason, whatever politics were happening during this. And uh, Jimmy Snuka is just sitting there signing every autographs fan or every fan's autograph and being the nicest guy. Um, And I hung out with him a good portion of that night. He was a really good guy. He told me he only drinks Budweiser because he worked for Budweiser one time. And we went outside to smoke and I, I remember specifically I had this 1949, the short stub Zippo lighter and lit Jimmy Stuka's cigarette. And as a wrestling fan, this is a huge fucking moment for me. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm lighting Jimmy Stuka's cigarette and talking to Jimmy Stuka. This is fucking awesome. This is great. Fucking love Jimmy Stuka. I even love Jimmy ECW Jimmy Stuka. This is amazing. And then just a few months later, (laughs) I think this would have been like – july or august this he releases that book and all this stuff starts surfacing and it it kind of makes you question a lot of things in life where you can hang out with this guy and you think he's super nice and he's this great person and then you hear this terrible fucking tragic story about this poor woman who was basically beaten to death i'm, I'm just going to cut straight to the chase uh by one of your favorite wrestlers this one really affected me negatively and i think it it, it's because i did have the chance to meet him and it's hard to understand how the person i met at least at this time in his life would be capable of such a thing because he just seemed like such a great and genuine guy and to some extent you hear a little bit of this in the documentary but you also hear about like rampant cocaine usage and all of these different things so like I watched this one late last night and I sent you a message at six and said, this one's going to be hard for me to talk about. And I knew it was going to be hard for me to talk about because it it was almost like my heart got stepped on after having this wonderful experience of meeting this pro athlete that I've loved so long as a child and, and grew up watching and meeting. And he was so nice in comparison to some other people that, that can come off as real dicks to all of this stuff coming out like kind of afterwards to the point where it kind of makes me a little teary eyed and very sad, but I, I don't think there's any debate of what happened at this point. And it's something I'm just going to have to accept as a wrestling fan, much like some people are just going to have to accept that Chris Benoit is probably not the best person in the world. But this one was like that for me. Not as close. I mean, I'm not fucking best friends with Jimmy Snooker or anything, but it is definitely one that just when I think about it, it immediately hurts my heart because it was such great memory that was cut so short. Like we're talking three or four months later. Um, just sad all around, man. But uh, let's get into the actual documentary, I guess. 
Yeah, so I'll try to like sum it up and just cut me off if you want to talk about a certain thing, Chris. Um, so while he was married uh, with children like Ace and Tamina, I don't know if he had more than that, but he was married with kids. He had a girlfriend on the road, basically took over for his manager, uh, wrestler legend, uh, and past NWA, past WWF, I think the first WWF champion, Buddy Rogers. Um, you know, this was, you got to realize the level of popularity that Jimmy was at in the early eighties, it was before Hulk Hogan. He was like one of their premier stars. One of the reason was his in-ring style and how much it differed. He was in a tag team with Sam Fatu beforehand, uh, who was a Tonga kid. Um, and just even the, even the interview with Tonga kid to start off with, with Sam and him recalling, oh, like, you know, yeah, that lady that used to drive us around. And they're like, you mean Nancy? And he's like, oh, yeah, that is Nancy. You know, this is 30 years ago. So a lot of the stuff, the accounts from the wrestlers, you know, even the sisters to an extent, they have to go back 30 years to remember, to jog their memory about stuff like this. And this was his girlfriend on the road that was supposed to get him from place to place. Jimmy, uh, the reason why him and Buddy didn't work out is because Jimmy wanted to do cocaine the whole entire time. And had a very, very bad cocaine problem um, that would definitely correlate with the end of this lady. And uh, just judging by the family and the and the sisters, to to the wrestlers, she, you know, even, even the way he presented it in his book, she was like, you know, basically his side girlfriend, but didn't really go into that much. And uh, that's extremely sad. You know, Don Morocco would be interviewed later on, and he didn't really see her that much. You know, he saw her once in a while, but she was very quiet. And timid. Um, and, uh, you know, the accounts uh, at the house, basically, of, of uh, Nancy's house. And, um, th- you know, I don't know if it was supposed to be in a joking manner, but from what the younger sister said, like, he basically said, like, I will end you and kind of like made it look like you'd choke her to death uh, because she was, yeah, you know, she wouldn't stop talking, basically. She was a younger girl. She was very bubbly and excited. And then afterwards, you know, came up to her, apologized for himself and tried to give her cocaine um as as an apology until nancy got very extremely mad at him and uh you know that was kind of like a huge fucking red flag uh right there Uh, and uh you know i i think that when it came down to it this really comes down to a battle of addiction and you know i hate to compare it to benoit but given to what happened benoit did some crazy fucking shit involving in his situation but there was a lot of Stuff involving with, um, you know, testosterone, a ridiculous amount of testosterone, depression through Eddie, and then obviously CTE issues. Jimmy's was a fucking addiction to cocaine. And um, that doesn't give any type of, you know, that doesn't make justify anything at all. Uh, If you're a drug addict, you're a drug addict. And uh, inevitably, and I'll pass it to you right after this, Chris. Uh, the whole scene of the night or, you know, before there was an incident where he was grabbing her by the hair and dragging her to her, her, her to her hotel room. She had, you know, uh, marks on her neck from him and the cops had to jump on top of him. He was fighting the cops and the drug dogs, the German shepherds from what the, the account and the eyewitness was. And then shortly after that, uh, there was an incident. And from what Jimmy said, you know, they're wrestling around uh, aggressively, probably in a fight. He pushed her over. She knocked her head. She got a concussion. 
He left the next morning for wrestling. She was still kind of coherent. And then when he came back, she was dead due to the concussion. Now, there's a lot more once we find out um, from the, 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 the actual, you know, uh, when, they, when they went and did the autopsy. But, uh, yeah, man, very heavy shit. It's it's just so hard to talk about, man. It is this is one of the heavier episodes because I think it's it's something that was ignored for so long to the point where I didn't even know this was a thing in 2012. Like I said, all of that stuff kind of came out later. To me, Jimmy Snuka was just Jimmy Snuka. He's this legend. But you look back at his career and how over he was, he could have been Hulk Hogan. If they really wanted to push that guy to the moon, he could have. But with everything that happened in this this situation in which Vince was involved in, you could see why he's not Hulk Hogan. Same thing with, uh, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And uh, I mean, not to the same extent because they just got caught with weed, but Hacksaw Jim Duggan riding with a heel and getting caught with weed, for instance, that ruined his push, etc. This is a very, very sad story. And the family, they, tr- they sued for, I mean, I guess this is the next part of the documentary, but they tried to sue for sue Jimmy for five hundred thousand dollars. He lost the case, meaning that everyone thought he was guilty, essentially, and then never paid any of the money. There's just a lot of really negative things about Jimmy Snuka I did not know until much later in my life, which makes me, uh, like I said, very very sad because my experience with Jimmy is watching him fly off the top of that cage onto Don Morocco, who was I thought gave some really good interviews. I kind of wish if I'm just reviewing this as a documentary itself, they could have talked to Tamina or more people that was in his family outside of his current wife. Um, maybe had some other sides of the stories because this is 30 years ago. And like you said, there is even in the documentary, there's a lot of things that don't necessarily line up. The thing that lines up the most, and I guess you're probably going to get into, is the autopsy report where it's like this woman clearly did not fall down taking a pee, which is Jimmy Stuka's story. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think they did a great job with the documentary up till this point. I just I wish there was some more interviews and stuff, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing that's that's terrible about this is that Jimmy and they even showed different, um, you know, him on radio shows, uh, Opie and Anthony actually uh, explain what happened. His story changed so many times uh, when they first got there and he's hysterical uh, after he came back from wrestling and she was she was dead. Um, and who knows if he was playing on act or not. That's the, that's the most screwed up part. He's grabbing her feet and crying and they're trying to get information out of her. And he's saying, you know, they got in an, an altercation and he shoved her and she hit her head. And then later he's telling the radio station that she slipped and hit her head and then went to bed. You know, nothing, nothing works out. And I don't blame his, his, uh, his widow for, for believing him because they were together for such a long time. And obviously you don't want to think that person you're in love with is a murderer. And I, you know, there is part of me that wants to believe that something happened. It was definitely obviously cocaine fueled. Um, and he didn't mean this, obviously. I don't think he tried to kill her. Uh, but that's, there's no excuse, basically. And at the funeral, he was hysterical. He was, you know, just at the, the, uh, 
they had to they had to remove him away from her casket uh, because of how emotional he was. And you know, they they let her know at the at the funeral home. They let the family know that they had to put so much work because she had you know strangling hand marks on her neck. There was abrasions throughout her whole entire body. Um, well, this is this is such a heavy scene because they give a quote from Jimmy Snuka, which is like she doesn't look like Nancy. She doesn't look like this girl that I loved, basically. And that's when the funeral department tells them that is like, well, we had to do a whole lot to make her not look beat up, which is just heartbreaking on so many levels, man. Just that that's a very heavy part of this documentary. I'll say that. Yep. And we have this weird meeting with lawyers that's never really documented besides in Jimmy's uh, book with Vince McMahon. And yeah, there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of uh, bad stuff involving Vince with business, but at the same time, you know, this is one of his stars. So obviously I don't know if he was trying, Chris, do you think that Vince was trying to cause a cover up or trying to just get someone that was associated with WWE away from the situation? I want to believe that Vince honestly thought that something wacky happened and that maybe he was trying to defend Jimmy in in some extent more than just I'm defending my business. But it's also Vince, so it's hard to say. Um, this is also Snooka's side of the story, which has been denied by WWE in general. There's been multiple talks of, like, Vince knew nothing about any of this. And then he just showed up and worked the next, like, three or four weeks. So... This has always been a great debate, even if you go and read the the, the Snicka autobiography and if you've listened to some other shoots about this the situation. Some say that uh, Vince talked to Jimmy at the fairground before he went home there went to the motel that night. There's multiple accounts of this. And until Vince McMahon himself comes out and actually says something about it, which I think if I was someone in the media that covered this Jimmy Snuka story and had the clout to do this, I would definitely pressure for, especially with this presidential um, economic stimulus gimmick that Vince is involved in. I think it's very good to pressure someone that may have covered up a murder to some extent. And this is not the first time a promoter's done this. So I'm not just putting this just on Vince. I mean, there is a great Jim Cornette story uh, with, who the hell is his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, we the people. What is that manager's name, Dane? Oh, um, oh, uh, oh, man, uh, with the mustache. Uh, fuck. God damn it. He's known for <laughs> Don. Uh, he was Jerry Lawler's biggest opponent. Oh, God dang it. I know. It's just slipping on my mind. So I'll look hard. It up. He, he was on the Bruiser Brody one. Zeb. Zeb Coulter. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, what's what's yeah. his real name, though? Uh, I'm looking it up. You, you keep on going. <laughs> but anyways, he tells the story. Dutch about... Mantel. Okay, Dutch Mantel. Yes, thank you. Fuck, that was just escaping me for whatever reason. But he tells this great Macho Man story where Macho Man just gets pissed at this guy and starts fighting him in a Waffle House and gets attacked by dogs. And then the next day, I think Macho Man donated like $5,000 to... Uh, like the police force or whatever, and that shit just all went under the table, even though he was fighting police officers inside of White Waffle House. Like, there's multiple stories like this where some things just disappear if you have enough clout in the 80s. Uh, 
and I'm not going to say that Vince necessarily did this or was a part of this. Like I said, it's all hearsay, but there are definitely accounts of him talking to Snuka, him being here, and even in Snuka's book, which in itself is a little bit of a stretch and a lie to some extent because he's not telling you the full story. Like Nance, like she didn't slip and hit her head, right? But uh, yeah, there's a little bit of truth in every lie, as they say. So uh, that's, I mean, with this coming out and Vince being the McMahons in general being so involved in the news, I would love to see someone pressure this to actually get an answer out of Vince because it's going to take someone that's way bigger than just a wrestling journalist like uh, Dave Meltzer or uh, hell, even us trying to fuck with this guy to get an answer. But I would love to hear what that conversation was like and what it actually was. And that's what's sad is that the world will never know exactly what happened. Jimmy's dead. Uh, She's dead. Uh, Obviously they kind of made it look that, you know, uh, the detective side of things and looking into this, um, they did it by protocol, but they didn't really see some of these things that were right in front of their face. And a lot of these situations of accounts, Chris, (laughs) 30 years after the fact. And this is why I made that on the take joke, because how can you not see that a woman's been physically abused? And how is it like a random death, not the number one suspect in any murder case? The first thing you look at is a spouse. And that's not even a wrestling thing. That's just every murder show ever you could watch, or as they call it on South Park, murder porn, right? The first thing you look at is the spouse. And if you look at what the autopsy reveals... There's no way you couldn't have thought that this guy killed her. Yeah, and that's that's the uh, that's the tragic stuff about it, is that obviously she was she was banged up, man. So one of the premier baby faces, one of the biggest wrestlers, one of the most innovative wrestlers, one of the most uh, biggest draws for WWF at the beginning. One of the nicest people I've ever met in the wrestling world. Said by many, not just you, by lots of people. And unfortunately, his cocaine addiction caused him to beat this poor woman and then eventually beat her to death. And there's no positive outcome from this because there's no closure. Um, Not a lot is known exactly you know, there's no, there's not, there's nothing that we're gonna get out of this. Uh, you know, the poor. I think, I think he sisters. should be removed. I think he should be removed from the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. At this point, I think that that's that's a very, very, very good point because if you're, if you're not gonna put Benoit in, then you remove Jimmy Snuka from the Hall of Fame because this outweighs what wrestling is, and he shouldn't be on your list of people that you put there, especially if you removed Hogan's legacy from your website for saying some racist shit versus killing someone. Um, yeah. I mean, they did add Hogan back, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you, yeah, you can't go half ass with this. And there's, there's nothing good. And there's nothing good about, you know, Warrior having in his past saying homophobic things. Nothing great about fucking Hogan saying racist things. Those are terrible incidents. This is murder. This is someone that trusted Jimmy Snuka, that loved him, 
and unfortunately he ragdolled her and freaking you know kicked the shit out of her caused her to have a concussion just left her there and she fucking died yeah i mean there's no like i mean i know tamina still works there and this obviously sucks for her as a athlete and in general like this would be terrible to find out about anyone you know right but you should remove this person from your hall of fame unless you're just gonna say it's on a work base and then if it's just on a work base then chris benoit should have been in years ago but if the idea is like you don't want this associated with your business i should not see jimmy snooker highlights and wwe packages especially at this point and you still see them you still see Snuka fall flying off the cage. And that, to some extent, is a big problem because of how, when they talk about how big Snuka was, look at those video packages from the last 20 to 25 years. Even the don't try this at home with Snuka flying off the cage shit. Snuka was still being pushed as this huge deal even after all of this, after the shit was public. Because he could have been the most over wrestler of all time. And, and this kind of leans to maybe a conspiracy theory where there was a little bit of cover up. He was just so fucking incredible for his time. I mean, this would have been before macho man was in WWE. So he was doing shit. No one else was willing to do. And it's, yeah, and, it's crazy. And even like with Don Morocco, you know, Jimmy could have been the driving force in WWE. He could have been the biggest person, but because of his cocaine habit, that nicked it in the butt. And because of that cocaine habit, he murdered his girlfriend. Maybe, I want to say unintentionally, (laughs) but regardless, it's murder. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you're physically doing stuff, it's not manslaughter at that point. You fucking put your hands on them. Even if you have an addiction... Even if you're hopped up on cocaine, drunk, it doesn't matter. You fucking killed them. So I agree with you. It's just I, a very will, unfortunate circumstance. I guess if to, to, to – I just want to send regards to the, the Argentino family and everyone that was kind of involved with this situation. It's very, very sad and very tragic, and even Tamina to some extent. Yeah. Um, and, and his kids because – Do you wish – Like you I said – do you, do you do you, do you kind of wish that we got Ace and Tamina's side of the story, you know, his children? Yeah, and I, I kind of brought that up a little bit earlier, which was I wish there was more interviews. I wish there was more sides of the story. I wish there was more. This was a very anti-Jimmy Snuka thing, with the exception yep. of maybe Don Morocco. So there is no, like, this is who this person was, and maybe this is why he did this. More like with Chris, the Chris crispin wall story for instance they the lead up is like chris was actually a good person up until this point um but with the jimmy snookup story it's like no he was high as hell on cocaine and maybe killed this person they don't talk about the after you know the 30 years afterwards where you know he had kids and raised kids and trained wrestlers and met wrestling fans all over the world and was a decent person or whatever and i'm not making any excuses but you didn't get the you know and, and there's not another side to the story but you didn't get the background of the you know what that person could have been if maybe they didn't have a drug problem if that makes sense absolutely no all right well um another one that's uh for the book uh, in this whole thing, but um, 
Any closing statements before we move on, Chris? I will say Jimmy Snook is the most disappointed I've ever been about a lot of things in my life. <laughs> like learning all this after meeting Jimmy and him being so great to me was very, very sad, uh, saddening. And once again, just like thoughts in regards to that family. And I can't believe they went through this tragedy and had this, you know, lawsuit beforehand that proved this was a thing. And then it drug on until uh, a wrestling writer basically pulled it out of the woodwork to, to start this case back up again. It's, it's just very tragic all around, very sad. And, um, it's, it's fucking, this is one of the shittiest ones I'm going to talk about. We'll say that because it, I, I, like I said, I have kind of a personal connection to it. Yep. And uh, next week we'll be talking about another crazy subject in wrestling. Someone that had a lot going for him in WWF uh, in the early 90s, uh, late 80s. The assassination of Dino Bravo. Uh, Dino was involved. Well, he's from Montreal. He was later after getting let go of wrestling um, due to issues. Uh, he was a part of the, the mob in, in Montreal, and his end was uh, him shot several times in his easy chair at his own house. And uh, obviously people assumed that there was a connection within the mafia taking him out for whatever reason. So you have a story about a guy that had Dude, he had a body like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> he was a huge, buff dude, very convincing as a heel. And, uh, you know, due to different issues involved in his life, they'll probably go into it. Um, just fizzled himself out with the company and then made some terrible choices and ended up getting killed. Uh, so that will be another dark side of the ring. Um <laughs> Conflict I wish I wish they would do a happy side of the ring. <laughs> yeah, like, do a dark side of the ring, but like where it ends well, where it's like, and and then Arn Anderson stabs Sid with a pair of scissors, but now he's in AEW and everything's okay, and him and Sid aren't mad at each other anymore. <laughs> like, can we can we get one of these, please? Oh shit. Well. <laughs> There's happy stories in wrestling. There are, like, not every wrestler has committed murder or been a complete no. asshole. Or, uh, you know, Terry Funk was married to the same woman for, like, 65 years or whatever. Same you know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's good stories you can tell about wrestlers. And I know the idea and the concept and what sells is Dark Side of the Ring. But it's it, true crime. It is. Not popularity. But if I'm the person making these documentaries at some point, you love wrestling to even go down this road, right? Tell a happy story. Just one. Just one a season. Just one a season. Like, give us the rest of the dark shit that you want to talk about wrestling with, and then just give us one happy thing. Yeah, I would love that, man. I really would. Um I think the Terry Funk idea is the best because there are it's 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 a dark story because of how long he keeps on fucking wrestling and screwing up his body and um but there's a lot of light in there too of him still being this great hero in wrestling so if you do stuff like that it doesn't have to be an outcome where someone's murdered or fucking ends up committing suicide or something like that you know 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot to that story too, where people just loved his wife and talk about her so openly as like a mama funk or whatever. It's I think that's a great story to tell, and you could talk about Hollywood, and it doesn't have to all be positive or negative. I mean, Terry Funk well, definitely pushed himself to the limit. I, I just – we are going down the path of you're going to run out of negative stories if you're only talking about people that have died or suicide or murder in wrestling. Like you're going to go through that this list pretty quickly. And that's – you know, a good example of that is two documentaries that were done recently, the HBO documentary of Vondre the Giant and the 30 for 30 of Ric Flair – it was a positive story for both of them because of how much of an impact they had on the industry, but there were some negatives in there. So you don't always have to have it as a true crime procedural style documentary of like these incidents. They, talk about the wrestler themselves. It still is a great documentary style feature. It's worked for Andre. It worked for Rick and it can work for someone like a Terry Funk too. I mean, it just depends on who you're talking about as the wrestler, right? Like how over were they? more so than anything else. So if you want to pick, you know, John Cena and give me a super happy John Cena story, I'll probably watch it because John Cena's super over. Uh, it doesn't have the murder and sex that's going to sell. I mean, I guess, you know, probably next season, the first one we're going to get is Hulk Hogan. I, I feel like that's coming down the pipeline. Or at least the steroid trial. The st- steroid trial, Hogan choking out, uh, <laughs> Belter from Law and Order SBU, uh, that whole time period. And this is directly after the Snuka stuff, by the way, 84, 85. This would have been leading into the first mania. There's a lot of crazy shit, like Dr. Death, Steve Williams smacking the shit out of people. Like, there's a whole time period you could do. If you just wanted to do, like, a timepiece documentary, you could. I'm not a filmmaker, but, like, you could totally just say, I'm going to only talk about WWF from 1982 to, like, 1987. <laughs> and you would have a ton of crazy-ass stories, including a Harley Race. Like, was was Harley Race there when he pulled the gun out on Hogan? Was that in between 82 and 87? So there's some great story. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ass stories that you could tell. What I'm getting at is like, I if this is going to if the end goal is just this and things that we like as wrestling fans have already heard. What do you think the longevity of the show is? Because you're going to run out of stuff like where we've already hit all of kind of the big marks of like, oh, man, that happened in wrestling. That's fucking crazy. And there's always crazy shit that happens in wrestling, but they've hit kind of all of the big ones. And they're leading up to Owen Hart, which is like kind of the next one. But that's just kind of a tragic accident. Yep. And we're going to see a lot of that era that you were referring to with David Schultz and his decisions um, coming up, too. So, yeah, we'll have to. um, And maybe that will be a good maybe that will be a good show. It just sucks because like with a David Schultz. The WWF wanted him to be the guy to go against Hogan. He was one of Hogan's best friends in real life. They were on the road together. Hogan has told Stone Cold he was like an Austin-like character before you, but because of that, the WWF were like, back the fuck off, and that never happened. Um, Another story with that too, Chris, I'm sure you've heard this. Richard Brody was supposed to be one of the heels to go against Hulk Hogan, but he passed away shortly before he was supposed to start with WWF. But Bruce Pritchard said Bruiser might have actually taken the title from him, and he was so popular that they wanted that big villain to go against Hogan, but that fizzled off, unfortunately. Yeah. 
I think Schultz would have been super over because he kind of had the Psycho Sid thing going, but was a better wrestler and is fucking way crazier. Even if you watch him just slapping the shit out of that guy. Um, he did say that Vince told him to go rough the guy up. Maybe not to the extent of what happened, yep. but I at that same wrestling con where I met Jimmy Snuka, he did a talk with it was like him and uh, Mans Eddie Mansfield, who is the guy that kind of broke the story. They did like a side by side interview, and he specifically said like, "Yeah, no, Vince and the company told me to go rough this guy up to protect the business." So when he slapped the shit out of that guy, he thought he was shoot protecting the business, protecting wrestling, keeping it real um, kind of thing. And it, it ruined his wrestling career, unfortunately. All right. Well, now that we're done with that, let's go on to do you want to do top five theme music or do you want to go over the uh, observing Hall, wrestler Hall of Fame first? Let's do top five theme music first. Let's, let's give everyone a little bit of things to be happy about, right? <laughs> hey, man, sounds good to me. Um, why don't we go, obviously, we'll go five to one. And we'll, you know, I'll let you go first, uh, especially since this is your idea. And we'll go all the way to one and give reason of why we like those said theme music so much. I feel like all of mine are from the same fucking era, though. That's my problem. So I split mine out. I, ha- I had some good. I, ha- I think I, I think I went all across the board, but this one would have been circa probably 2012, 2013. Kill Steen Kill, 30 Seconds of Magic, fe- featuring Kevin Steen. Kill Steen Kill, probably the best Ring of Honor theme song ever. The first line is someone called Jim Cornette. I think he might be mad at me. <laughs> so you know it's gonna be a banger. And it fit the character so well, and that is my number five. All right, so people might make fun of me because this is not even the theme music that he's known for, but there is – my number five is a personal favorite of mine. Um, uh, God, I can't even remember the line now, but it was Sting's music when he was Stinger. Um, He does this. He does that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the man called Sting. I, I thought, I mean, I used to fucking love that uh, so much. It was hard because my other favorite wrestler, I had to knock him off, but it was either that or Shawn Michaels with Sexy Boy. Uh, but I kind of, I used to love that theme song. And I know Sting had a big one before that. That dun, 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 You know, very, very similar to The Ultimate Warrior, actually. Um, and then obviously he had the crow one that was like the gargoyles theme, very similar to that. And then he had his one after that. I mean, he's had a million, but that the the man called Sting, I think, is number five for me. Love that. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to get to the man they called Sting because that's also on my list because <laughs> it's the best. Um, but on number four for me is Homeless Day, the Edge theme. I think when he changed his theme from the Rob Zombie song to On This Day, it kind of fit his character. Alter the Alter Bridge hit hit single On This Day, probably their biggest song of all time, just because of Edge. Uh, <laughs> Creed plus minus Scott Stapp, uh, <laughs> probably their biggest song of all time because of Edge. Like I said, um, just it's still to this day when he comes out. You can only think like as soon as you hear that song, if, if that song ever came on the radio, you're only going to think about Edge 
as soon as it hits and you're just going to want pyro to explode in your car. It's just great. It fit who he was with the rated R superstar. Incredible all around. All right. This one is kind of, this goes back to my childhood. I could not not pick it because every time the fucking song came on, I went crazy. And when he came back to the WWE in early two thousands and he went back to the red and yellow you know, it was so much better than his WCW theme. Sorry, but Hulk Hogan, man, uh, real American, made by Jimmy Hart. Um, and uh, what is what is the singer, that 80s singer that made the the one who sang it? But uh, just an incredible fucking song. You know, every time you hear that, bump, 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 bump. Now it now it doesn't do the same thing to me anymore. But if I were to say that that wasn't one of my favorite theme music and it got me going, I'd be fucking lying. Is it less about Hulk Hogan and more about America? It's I guess it's more about WWF <laughs> when I was a kid, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Dillinger. It's uh, was it Rich Dillinger that sang it? Dillinger? I don't remember. Pissed me off. <laughs> Hulk Hogan had a, a a band called the the Wrestling Boot Band that you guys can check out. He plays bass actually, which is kind of crazy to think about, but that's the thing. <laughs> that one didn't make my list because I knew it would make your list, <laughs> but it should have made my list too. Uh, my number three is Nakamura's first theme from NXT. Cause oh. it's so good. <laughs> it's so damn good. <laughs> it's, it's still just a big go back to it. He does. I, I mean, I like the lyrical version too. Just that first one. And his debut on SmackDown with the violin player and some of the things they've done in NXT with that theme was just so great. And, and to some extent made him as a character yep. for an American audience. And that's how much theme music can possibly mean. Yeah, man. Um, oh God, Nakamura. I don't have a lot. Like I, said, I don't think I have one modern. I don't. But Nakamura is definitely up there. Do you think, personally, uh, especially if we have audiences back after this epidemic, would Nakamura, if he went babyface, do you think that people would jump back on with him? If he came out to the original theme and went babyface and had some good matches, probably. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, so my next one. Um, he he has, a, before we move on, he has yeah. that natural Jeff Hardy kind of charisma that's yeah. just inescapable. There's just something about Nakamura you want to like in general, and that if he puts good matches on top of it with a good theme song and you don't give him bullshit storyline, people want to like him. Even when you try to turn him hill, people still want to like Nakamura. Yep. They still sing that theme song even with this new one. They'll still do the old one over it. It's a good-ass theme song. That's why. <laughs> it's like uh, I'm going to give – and we'll talk about some honorable mentions, but you're talking about modern. One of my favorite modern ones is Finn Balor's, especially the extended demon version of that just dun-dun-dun. You just keep on expanding, expanding, and that weird, like, ominous music. It's it's uh, it's some good shit, man. I will say that. Or, or the original uh, The Wyatt Family. I love that Radiohead-sounding fucking theme music. So I love the Code Orange version that they have now. The, it's good. The Fiend version. I think that's like I, especially the first time I saw it 
where it went from Bray to that heavy <gasps> metal version with the fucking... <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a pretty dope theme, but I, I wouldn't put this on this list. That, In fact, like Bret Hart and Owen Hart's theme and uh, HBK's theme would be on this list before that, and then probably DDP's rip-off uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit theme. self Yes, so there's other stuff, like the Wolfpack theme is not on my list. <laughs> that's another but, great one. Mick Foley's, uh, you know, the, the car crash. Ba-dum. <laughs> I love that one, man. I just. <laughs> you know who I was never a fan of? And I love the wrestler. Uh, and it still got me amped. Uh, but every version of The Rock were fine to me compared to a lot of the other wrestlers in the Attitude Era. The Rock's theme songs? The Rock says. Yeah, I thought they were fine. And, they, and as soon as that hit, I would go crazy as a kid. But, you know, I mean. Some of the ones that I'm about to talk about that are in that same era just completely, uh, especially my number one. I mean, I think I think Undertakers and Canes are up there, but I didn't put them on the list because they're not my favorite, you know. But they're definitely iconic. I think those are different things to some extent, mm-hmm. right? Like Canes music is even the metal version of the song. Whoever did that, I can't remember what band did it. Even when they. but even when they went through that little thing where it was like we have to have actual bands sing all the songs uh canes was one of the better ones (laughs) because wait you didn't like disturb doing stone calls (laughs) no no i did not austin Uh. did not need disturbed disturbed needed austin way more than austin needed disturbed (laughs) yeah and that's it was hard for me not to put Undertakers on this because I did love the Undertaker, but I think it's the entrance and everything that makes it not so much the song itself. Um, and I actually like the the more metal one when he was in the ministry that sounded like Metallica that had like that style more so than even his normal theme. Yeah, I got you. All right. So my next one. Sorry, I got off track. My next one's the game, man. Uh, and preferably I like the original one. Uh, uh, but I mean, Motorhead, Triple H, that music hitting, the whole, you know, just the fact that you got Motorhead to slow the fuck down is really amazing, by the way, because they're not known for slow music at all. You know, Lemmy doesn't like to do that, but he liked Triple H. Triple H was a huge fan of his, and uh, pretty much everything that Lemmy did, uh, Evolution's theme. Um, you know, I, I really, really, really liked it. I'm a, I'm a Motorhead fan and Triple H, the whole presentation, him spitting out the water at the same time where it just goes in that guitar, you know, you know, doing that whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it just it drives you. And even when he was a heel or anytime he was a heel with that music, it's still like even if you didn't like Triple H, that fucking music and that entrance I thought was awesome. So what you're trying to say is it's all about the game and you ain't playing. <laughs> uh, I I should have had that on my list. That's so damn good. Uh, my number two is the man they called Stang, which we already talked about. He does this. He does that. So number two, man they called Stang. As a kid, Sting was the coolest shit of all time. Especially growing up here in Georgia and going to the Gainesville Mountain Center to see Mr. Stang wrestle. Uh, one hell of a performer, great athlete, love blonde haired 
man they called Stang Stang. So I had that as my number two. My number two is uh, very similar to my last one because it involves Triple H, and that is DX. Uh, the theme that I thought for the longest time uh, was Rage Against the Machine until I found out, nope, that was not the case. It was actually, I forgot the name of the band. I think the singer uh, tragically passed away, but um, just when you hear the bum, 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 you know and that coming in i don't even give a fuck if it's the x-pac version i liked all of them i love that dx theme (laughs) it gets me every fucking time it plays i was honestly like if you go to the factions nwo's music really didn't do it for me you were talking about wolfpack i liked wolfpack's music way better than just the normal you know the intro to our show <laughs> Sorry, Kanan. We still love it and thank you for making it for us, buddy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, DX, that fucking that that version, it was awesome. I I, I loved it. I'm really hoping there's some like OG listeners here that remember when we used to use the Nakamura theme for the intro to the show. <laughs> if you go back to the very, <laughs> very early episodes. Um, my number one is Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song. Cause when that, when that glass breaks, that means your ass is grass or whatever the hell that saying was. It's just, there's something so iconic about the, it's like the perfect amount of kick ass theme song for such a great wrestler. And part of it is probably Austin got the theme song over more than the theme song got Austin over, but it is perfect for, who Stone Cold Steve Austin was and is. And whenever I hear that song, I get so damn happy and I just immediately want to drink a bunch of beer and drive a four-wheeler and run over some shit, maybe get someone to stun her in the parking lot. Oh, and, you know, we're forgetting. Who is – and I can look it up, actually, but, like, what's the name of the guy that, that composed pretty much most of the, the 80s and especially the 90s uh, music that was let go recently? I almost said Jim Jones, but that's the guy that gave her by Kool Aid. Uh, is it? <laughs> is it? Is it something like Jim Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is Jim Johnson. And Jim Johnson, uh, talking credit to him, man. He's made some of the greatest. I think he made Bret Hart's theme music. He made Stone Cold. He made, you know, he worked with all these artists. He was a producer and. You know, a lot uh, unsung hero. He also did, I believe, uh, Kevin Owens, a lot of the newer ones before he was let go. A lot of the ones that we liked. But uh, Jim Johnson, apparently Stone Cold, when they were trying to figure out his music, Austin said, um, I'm trying to make sure that this was actually the right person. Uh, James Johnson, Jim Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Jim Johnson. Um, He basically said he, he gave him Bulls on Parade. Uh, Austin was obsessed with uh, what you call it, rage at the time. He said, "I want something with the, with the the guitar that's nasty and aggressive like this." And when he showed him the Austin thing, it wasn't exactly what Stone Cold wanted, but he just realized that it was going to be the biggest theme music. And obviously, I mean, us two, you know, puds decided that it was. So obviously, it is. And every time you hear that fucking glass break, man, you're ready. I remember the saying, if you hear that glass, that's your ass. <laughs> there you go. So uh, any um, any other uh, – we, we talked about a bunch of them. Any other honorable mention that you want to state? 
I can think of a female one that I really liked was Trish Stratus is always uh I always enjoyed her little thing that <laughs> I just go in and see her thing. Um, I can who, talk who, about some I hate. Kelly let's do Kelly's. that too. Kelly Kelly's hello hate it because not only did it mean I had to hear that song, it also mean I had to watch a Kelly Kelly match. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one's up there. Honorable mention that Jeff Jarrett theme from. Those, yeah, that thing's pretty good, especially with the Titantron going. That's uh, that's not a bad one. Uh, you know, obviously Rob Zombie, Edge, pretty yeah. good when he came back for that Rumble. Though I I do I'm only gonna like when I think of Edge I'm still on the start. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, yeah. still to this day when he shows up, I send you in chat on this day. It's <laughs> awesome, man. You know what was one of my least favorite ones? Christian. And he hated it too. The Christian! Christian! He fucking hated that one. And I, I agree. I think it was one of the most <laughs> terrible fucking music. Uh, I definitely liked his latter one. Glorious. So. The Bobby yeah. Roode. Glorious. Glorious. <laughs> Glorious was so good, good for when it came out. That was definitely another one, modern-wise. I think that was another one that Jim made um, right before they let him go. How the fuck did they let him go if he made all these amazing fucking theme songs? I have no idea. Because they want to give everyone generic-ass themes, but then hire oh. ghosts to do NXT stuff. <laughs> oh, God. You know, you were, you were saying that you're getting sick of uh, John Moxley's. I hated Dean Ambrose's fucking theme music. That oh, sucked. yeah, it was it was bad, too. Moxley's, you know, Moxley's theme's not that bad. It might, the big, my AEW music problem is more with uh, fucking, God, what, did, what, uh, Adam Page. That song is still so bootleg sounding. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, where it starts off with the horses and shit. Uh, running, uh, galloping, oh. if you will. Oh, that Four Horsemen WCW theme, the uh, the Benoit era of that, that very metal Four Horsemen theme song is, yeah, yep, that one. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that's, that's associated, I associate that with Arn Anderson so much, man. It's that to a, me is Arn's so arm song, basically. And I oh, mean, uh, you know, ECW is weird because it's just like, you know, Sandman to enter the Sandman. Yep. Just makes sense. Drunk redneck bashing beer across or, the Or uh, Jericho. I, I got to say, man, I fucking used to love Chris Jericho's theme music, too. It didn't matter if it was in the in WCW or as a ripoff of Evenflow, but like his one for WWE is, is you know, as much as I love, I love Judith, but like, you know, when you heard the, the, the countdown and then it just, poof, you know, you gotcha. Are you talking about Are you talking about Moon Break Goose? Break the walls down! You know that that shit got me going, man. Are you talking about Moon Goose McQueen? <laughs> Moon Goose McQueen. What are you so talking about? when he joined that band, he went by Moon Goose McQueen, which was supposed to be like a shoot name for <laughs> for Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I'm not making oh this up. If you Google Moon Goose McQueen right now, some shit's going to come up. I'm saying that. <laughs> so oh, and also, how about how about Vince's? No Chance in Hell. I used to love that fucking shit. It's pretty good. Vince's is pretty good. I will. I like Judas a lot just because I want to see yeah. Sam Guevara sing more of it. 
Yeah, that's a good reason. It's the, it's the best. <laughs> Sammy Guevara has went from like a guy I was like, oh, he's pretty good, to a guy that I'm like, this fucking guy is incredible. Dude, <laughs> he's learning Sammy from Guevara. one of the best, though. <laughs> Jericho loves him. Jesus. Well, good, because he's going to like quickly become the most overheal. They're all the fucking most hated heel on their entire product because Sammy Guevara has been amazing. You know what we're fine, and I think it's because there were themes of other stuff, is that Pop and Circumstance and the theme to, um, God, what the fuck's that movie? Brick Flares. Um, they're great, they're prestigious, but they weren't, I mean, since they were past stuff, it's they weren't as uh, as shiny, I would say. So they're so the both of those like put on space the list. Yeah, so both of those you could put on the list. You could put Mach and and Rick's themes on the list, right? But I I didn't because like you or said, Piper. yeah, in Piper the same thing. Those are just both, but they weren't like to me. Those weren't like iconic. Those are iconic wrestlers more than their theme songs. Whereas like a good That's theme good. song should come like the Nakamura theme song. As soon as you hear that shit, you're like, Oh man, you don't even care what Nakamura is going to do in the ring. You're ready. Or like glorious, like Bobby Roode. We talked about her. Glorious. <laughs> like if you God. can't get over with that theme song, like what's crazy is the new day got over with their shitty theme song, but mostly because Biggie just started yelling over top of it. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> you know, what we're forgetting. Steiner line. That's a good one too. Actually, I'm not gonna Steiner line. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend I don't dislike that one. But no, another tag team actually. You know, fucking Team Extreme coming out, dancing all around. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. The Hardys theme was one of the best, especially for tag teams. Yeah, that is that is a that is a really really fun. The Brood theme song is pretty good too. Or the Dudley Boys, man. Especially with the fucking the the explosion at the beginning. I can only you know. hear their shitty rock version in my head right now. I had to go back and watch it again. Yeah, that's honestly. A good point. Why did WWE do that? Like, let's make everything sh- with these shitty like new metal bands and stuff. So, so do you know how yeah. Simon Cowell made his money? I read a Playboy interview on this one time. No, how? So when no one wanted to produce these WWE theme song albums. He was the guy. So he, like, actually invested and put these out. <laughs> that's how. Wow. <laughs> that's how he kind I of. I never think. <laughs> so the I guy was so seen with pop people, music. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So the guy that made all his money by American Idol and X Factor and all this shit, he, he started in wrestling. But he saw a good investment opportunity is what it was. But, yeah, it's like – and also Randy Jackson from American Idol. He played in Journey. So there's that. All right. Well, I'm trying – I can't really think of um, anyone else. I'm sure something's going to pop in my head later on. So do you have any last, uh, any last honorable mentions before we move on to the uh, Observing Wrestlers Hall of Fame? Well, my last honorable mention would be Rebby Hardy's uh, TNA stuff, but it's never the same. It's kind of always a little classical and different, but all of Matt Hardy's Rebby Hardy stuff, oh, especially, especially when she has, especially when she has baby Maximilian on her back while playing piano. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think that there's any there's there's been really that many themes that have both complemented the um, the wrestler and also just amplified into the arena like Jake the Snake Roberts uh, theme music and it was such a simple just like it almost came off like the the fucking Stevie Nicks song but it was so aggressive and it just fit his personality and as soon as you heard that you saw him come out with his sack with the freaking python in it and you knew that shit was about to go down so. <laughs> that that's very true ultimate warriors man it's like yeah. uh, it's it's paranoid right by black sabbath essentially oh, yeah oh yeah and not only did they do that with ultimate warriors if you listen to the fucking rockers it's almost exactly the same thing <laughs> like so some of those you're just like, well, that's just paranoid. That's why I like it. <laughs> but I, I like that we both had Austin's theme song as number one. That was not planned, guys. No. <laughs> promise. I promise. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Well, let's go to this. We're doing the tag section. So we're going to pick five. Uh, we got ten listed right here from last time that we uh, built up. And we're going to do it like we normally do it. You know, we'll go over. We'll suggest someone maybe should stay. Um, and then try to get rid of one. And we have a pretty good list uh, so far. And also, obviously, after we get our five, we got to figure out five more to add to that list. Um, but so far, we have the, Mid- or the Midnight Express, the Fabulous Freebirds, the Funks, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Rockers, Demolition, the Rock and Sock Connection, the Outsiders, and Harlem Heat. Great tag teams, Chris, that we have to choose from. And um, I'm going to let you go first because I usually go first. Uh, what team would you like to see, you know, that you want to say, hey, let's let, – let, I like to say this this could go or let's hold off on this one and really think about it. And what team do you think we can get rid of right off the bat? Well, here's a team I want in right off the bat, Harlem Heat. Team we can get off. That's another theme music. Another <laughs> <Yes>. theme music. <laughs> because, <laughs> because we're talking about theme music. Now I'm just all about the Harlem Heat. Um, you said the Rock and Sock Connection. I think I would maybe take them off the list. All right. So Harlem Heat is someone that we're placing to put into the Observing Wrestler Hall of Fame, which the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame would apparently uh, disagree with us, but I don't really give a shit. They're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. So right now, Rock and Sock Connection is gone, uh, maybe on a future date. I'm going to say, and I, this is actually a little shout-out to you, Chris, uh, I think the Fabulous Freebirds should make our list. I think that they are a dominant trio, and I think that they deserve to just go right into it like Harlem Heat. And uh, for a group that I think that we can get rid of for right now is the Rockers. Um, I love Shawn Michaels, but still, compared to some of these other teams, I can do without them getting in right now. I agree with you. Plus, they almost killed the guy. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm moving Harlem Heat. I'm moving Harlem Heat, and I'm moving uh, the Fabulous Freebirds. We've got three more choices. Uh, So go ahead. I'm going to take out the Outsiders, as much as I love Big Sexy and uh, Razor. Um, I'm going to put in Midnight Express. All right. So I got little asterisks on all of them. Just want to make sure 
doing this correct, guys. Just bear with me. Ah, Fabulous Freebirds is in. And Midnight Express has something. Is Jim Cornette considered a part of the Midnight Express? I would consider him a part, but I think that we're going to get to the point where we want to induct managers, and he would, him and Bobby are probably going to be my first two choices on that. So absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we'll get there eventually. Well, you know, Paul Paul Heyman to some extent will probably be on my list as well. But you get what I'm saying. Yes, he he's definitely three. part. He's definitely part. If we're going to include all of the fabulous Freebirds, we might as well include Jim Cornette. <laughs> All right, so we are, I'm going to give you the ones that we have not touched or talked about, just so before I go. Uh, we got the Funks, we got Edge and Christian, we got the Dudleys, and we got Demolition. Um, I'll Even though they, they're dear to me, I'll take out Demolition right now uh, so we can work on some of these other guys. And unless you oppose that, but I'll pass it to you, obviously, right now. And I'm going to actually say I like to see the Dudleys go through. I am kind of opposed to pulling demolition because I think that was one that I was going to put out there okay. just because they were such a solid tag team for such a shitty tag division for so long, even though they're kind of a copy, but both guys were so great in the ring. And uh, it, what was I there? Think most uh, people remember uh, Royal Rumble 89 where they started off the Royal Rumble and just beat the living shit out of each other right off the beginning. And also Mr. Fuji is such a great manager for them. Like there's a lot of good things about demolition. I'm no, not the theme music off. Here comes the axe, here comes the smasher, their yes. demolition, walking disaster. Uh, yeah, all right. All right, I, 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 you know what? who I'll pull from mine, and we'll keep demolition blank for right now? I'm going to still suggest the Dudleys. If you want to pick demolition next, you can. Um, God, there's only two choices now. That sucks. It's either the Funks or Edge and Christian i got to get rid of. I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna do you a favor and I'll pull the Funks just because as great as they were, they were both known better as singles wrestlers. Okay, okay. So does that mean all right? So not one. not that they weren't a great fucking tag team. Like the Funks were badass. <laughs> Dory, Dory, look, Dory and Terry could rip some shit up in the ring. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like out of the tag teams we have left, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Edge and Christian. Just simply right. because Edge speared Jeff Hardy off like a 40-foot ladder. Ah. <laughs> he deserves to be here. <laughs> well, now, here's the question. All right, so we got five, technically. We got Harlem Heat, we got Demolition, we got the Dudleys, we got the Fabulous Freebirds, and we got the Midnight Express. Do you want to keep Edge and Christian in and remove one of those other teams or just say Edge and Christian will be good later on? Man, do I remove demolition for Edge and Christian? That's what you're getting at. Ugh, so hard. It's it's any of them, honestly. But yeah, um, you kind of changed my mind with demolition, but I'm willing to go back to what it was to put Edge and Christian on there. It's up to I you. See, I say we keep it as is because I don't, I think demolition doesn't get enough love, and and obviously Edge and Christian they're gonna get all the love anyways because of the heel TLC matches. So let's let's give Demolition some love and we'll save Edge and Christian for next time. Alright, so uh, our list total right now for the Hall of Fame itself. Uh, we got Ric Flair, we got Macho Man Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bull Nakano, 
HBK Shawn Michaels, the Brain Busters, the Rock and Roll Express, the Hardy Boys, the Steiner Bros, the Road Warriors, Terry Funk, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the Rock, Trish Stratus, the Undertaker, the Midnight Express, the Fabulous Freebirds, the Dudleys, Demolition, and Harlem Heat. Mm, such a good list. Such a good list of wrestlers. I want to add to our list for next week. Right okay. Now, while I'm thinking of it, uh, the Nasty Boys. Oh yeah, dude, Nasty Boys. In All public, right. in public enemy. And ICP, because they're never going to get love, but they deserve to be on this list because they worked in every company ever of all time. (laughs) All right, so Public Enemy. Uh, Do you really want to put ICP there? I mean, I don't think they're going to – I mean, they'd probably be a long reach to get in, but we should put them on the list because I think they're one of the most over-tag teams. Especially after watching their recent TNA and uh, going. Are you back talking about insane it. clown posse? Yes. <laughs> the the wrestling tag team insane clown posse, as everyone knows them. <laughs> All right. Have you been smoking meth? <laughs> no, I have have not today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let me. So I got two to think of. Um. Uh, God, who the heck do we put on this? I, you know, this is a time where I wish that I had tag teams in front of me. Um, what about like, uh, the club from, or, or dim boys, or is it, is it still too soon for those cats? Yeah, I, I gotta look, let me, let me, uh, look down the line of, wrestlers because there's a lot of older ones i want to put before some of the newer ones we'll get them in there obviously but um oh i hope you don't have a problem with this i want to do the natural disasters typhoon and earthquake no why would you have a problem with that they're great they're amazing um and besides that i'm looking down i'm looking down i'm looking down i'm trying to the bodacious dudes the heavenly bodies you're probably going to disagree with me on this one, but you put ICP. I'm going to put one that I used to love in WCW towards the end, Brian Adams and Brian Clark, Chronic. Chronic. So me and you are both going to try to push them in next week, right? So that'll be both fun. Both of them will be eliminated. Both of them will be eliminated right off the bat. <laughs> but they're good. They're good. They're good cannon fodder. They'll eventually get in. You know, both of them. I mean. They're both great tag teams. Chronic was super over. I think people forget how over they were. And also, Mortis is uh, one of my favorite gimmicks of all time. I thought that was so fucking cool when I was a kid. Well, Mortis was uh, Canyon. It was Chris Canyon. Was he not part of Chronic? No, he wasn't. No, Brian Clark was Wrath, but they were a tag team. It was Mortis and Wrath. Was, yeah, was, uh, Mortis, Mortis and Wrath. There you go. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, uh, I like this. Um, and now, um, we gotta add two to the, uh, Hall of Shame. <laughs> two tag teams to the Hall of Shame. Oh, man, you go first. <laughs> I know, I can't even think of this shit. Uh, uh, alright, let's, hold on. Wrestling, I love Google for this. You guys can hear me <laughs> clacking on here. Bad tag teams. 
Um, I, I do have a question before we get into our bad tag teams. Yeah. Would you put is Hulk and Macho considered a tag team? The Mega Powers are definitely considered a tag team, man. Okay, so maybe we remove ICP and put them on the list. <laughs> no, no, let's let's let let's uh let's keep ICP instead of the Mega Powers, man. Okay. Yeah, I have no problem with that. If if you want to add ICP at some point, we definitely can. You had good reasoning, but. Yeah, it was like Nasty Boys, Public Enemy, ICP. Like, wait, what? I was a little thrown off, I, I gotta admit. All right, I'll, I have mine for sure. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah, Mega Powers are definitely up there as one of the best. Okay, so um, bad tag team. God dang it. Um, do you have yours? You said you had yours? Sure, and I just thought of it, and it's so, so terrible. Legion of Doom 2.0. Oh God! With um, are you talking about with draws or with Heidenreich? Either one are terrible. <laughs> with Heidenreich specifically. Oh the worst. God! God damn! The all worst right. of all time. <laughs> Just so bad. And then also you have the alcoholic animal or a hawk angle on top of it. It's all bad. It's all bad. Um, and I, I think. I think I know who I want, and I think that you objected last time with it, but I think they still can go. No. Ooh. Well, the headbanger's good. According to Brian Alvarez, no. <laughs> God. I think, I think they're but, okay. I but think I don't want to say. I, yeah, they're not someone. Like, if we, went, if we went a year into this and we keep on adding, the headbangers aren't that bad, where I don't want them ever to be able to be included. Um. I'm going to go American Males. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance podcast where we shit on old WCW wrestlers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so our, our, our group is Disco Inferno, Lodi, The Ding Dong, <laughs> Dynamic Dudes, Mantar, Giant Gonzalez, LOD 2.0, and the American Males. <laughs> LOD 2.0 is so long of a name. How did they ever think that was going to be good? That's <laughs> going to be good shit. Uh, like, at least with the American Males, they had that theme song banger. American Males, American, American Males. Males, American Males. Just the same thing over Scotty and over. Riggs and Buff Bagwell. I mean, Scotty Riggs might be up there for, like, very underutilized wrestler that wasn't that bad. If we ever make a Hall of yeah. Fame of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Scotty's un- bad. Yeah, we're gonna have one day. Stupid. One day we're they gonna have stupid. our. We're gonna have a Hall of Fame that's very underutilized wrestlers that weren't that bad. <laughs> He'll, he might be one of the first inductees. That's hilarious. Oh Lord. Ah. <sighs> well, uh, I think that's it, man. Yeah. 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 Sounds good, man. We're gonna we're 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 tempting guys to possibly figure out to do a watch along, um, or or where me and and Chris watch a match that we like back in the day. We gotta test it out, do a shorter match. I think we have an idea of what we want to do, but uh, we'll figure that out. It's um it's gonna be an interesting process. Either it's gonna be boring and the drizzling shits, or it'll actually <laughs> be pretty uh fun. But you know we'll, we'll try it out. Uh, in the future and if it works out great you guys will get that copy if not you'll know why so uh 
other than that, I think this was a pretty damn jam-packed show. Uh, and originally, we didn't have a lot to talk about. So uh, I think that's a good thing, huh? Right, Chris? It's not a bad I mean, thing. I mean, maybe. Either that or we just talked way too long about stuff that's not that important. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> Always the optimistic one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's uh he's blunt and very 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 uh you know straight to the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm the Dean Malenko of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Dean Malenko, man. All right, well either way, that was another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much for listening out there. Remember, go to geekvibesnation.com uh, if you guys want to find news information. Um, big rest in peace to uh to uh whatchamacallit fink howard finkelman who passed away this week we already talked about it on the last episode but yeah go to our website we have a uh, news article about him uh we got we do wrestling on there video games comic books movies whole bunch of stuff and you can find you know ways to get to all of our social media platforms with geek vibes nation search that on instagram on facebook and on twitter and join the conversation join geek vibes nation and also, like I said, all audio platforms, you can find Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you can do it. You can find us and listen to us. And we appreciate all of our listeners. And have a very safe weekend, guys. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to the good people. Plug anything you need to plug. Hey, thanks thanks so much for you guys listening all the way through this. Hopefully you had fun. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, Christopher.r.patton on Facebook and and uh, Chris R. Patton on Instagram as well, if you if you if you fill in the mood. But uh yeah, send us some your suggestions of best tag teams. Maybe uh our next hall of wait. We don't call it Hall of Awesome. We're calling Observing Wrestling Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sorry. Hall of Awesome is a hockey thing. If you like hockey, check out At Skates to Throats, uh, another show I'm going to be doing today. So that should be out soon, too. And, uh, yeah, thanks, as always, for listening. Dane, great host. Uh, pass it back to you, buddy. Thank you, sir. You are a great host as well. And uh, you can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves on Facebook. You know, message me. Uh, let me know how much you like the show. We'll we'll talk and uh, have a good old day. Uh, thank you so much. Like I said, and peace out. Let the geek vibes be with you. Have a good one, guys.